2: because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins
0: that's right keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply
3: you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com for more details hyundai There's joy in every journey.
2: Hey, what's up? I'm Brett Griffin. It's time for another solid episode of Door Bumper Clear. We're going to be joined by my buddy, Marty Smith, who tells amazing stories. You won't want to miss that segment. We're also going to cover everything from the inaugural Bristol Dirt Weekend. We'll talk TJ and Joy Logano's victory freddie needing some glasses and according to cory Joy, no visibility let's go nobody's listening but i don't care i'm on an episode of door bumper clear hey
4: everybody i'm uh tj major it's part of the one truck 22 cup car
2: Got a donkey in there and uh, full room in here. Big winner last week. Congratulations, <laughs> big Spotter! Big winner. Yeah, you did a great job. Since Joey didn't say it on TV, I'm going to tell you here. You did a you did a great job. Yeah. He thanked everybody. I know, but TJ right. Majors, the guy who helped guide him through a demolition derby at times where you couldn't even see. I know. No credit given, Damn, Joey. And you think about it, man. Brett Griffin, Spotter, Colleg Racing. Uh, I was actually couch spotting over the weekend in mm-hmm. case anybody yes, was paying were. attention. <laughs> Uh, don't along- worry,
0: you tweeted enough. For and us.
2: alongside of me. What's up? Freddie Kraft. Spotted
1: for Bubba Wallace. Spotted for Derek Krause. I don't know about that. I don't <laughs> know about that second <laughs> one <laughs> at times. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh nobody else this weekend, right? Nope. <laughs> Back from a dusty, dusty, dusty Bristol motor speedway. <laughs> Thought the track was great. Yeah, TJ. We're walking down. We're walking to our cars afterwards. Like, I hope we do this again next year. I love it. I changed my mind. I love dirt racing. We got to our cars. I'm like, man,
4: this was so much fun, guys. We need to do it again next year. I I can't wait. I was just gonna
0: say, last week, weren't you like a little bit against it? So now, uh... I mean,
4: I was optimistic about it. These, they were. You guys were pretty much against it, weren't you? Yes. And I was more optimistic about (laughs) (laughs) it for multiple reasons. If it didn't rain and ruin that, like. I don't know. It was that rain ruined a lot. Um it might have
2: been it might have been a fairly decent show. I mean it, the dust was still going to be I think the rain saved them. I think the rain made it entertaining. I think yeah. the rain made the start <laughs> of the truck race awesome. I think the rain made the start of the cup race awesome. And then I think once the rain uh what was left over from the rain the moisture was completely gone. It turned into a dust bowl.
0: And I would say Brett, you had a good point about making it We'll, we'll go who, into this
2: one. are yeah. you, anyway?
0: Anyways, I'm Casey. Uh, Casey Boat here. And then we have, of course, our uh, donkey. amazing donkey, hey. Jason. So, Jason, Jason
2: I am... White Claw I, Schultz here. I, I'm proud of Wait, you. Wait, you. you
0: weren't drinking a White Claw this weekend. I checked.
2: Incorrect. Tell I'm you. proud of you, Jason, for working so hard on our show that you got promoted to do two shows, unlike everybody else in this room who's jealous that you work on the download. But I got a bone to pick with you. How come... Like here's what happens. Maybe Freddie will help back me up on this. Like you guys will tweet out our show, and then the minute you tweet out our show, it's like <laughs> ten more posts about Dell Jr. Then you pin him. Like you just bury yeah. us in social. Like when yeah. are we gonna get equality? I'm all yeah. about equality in today's world. When are we gonna get <laughs> equality on Dirty Mo Media social channels? <laughs>
1: I don't know. I think. Who what? runs the social channel? Is,
2: Leah, is it Leah on Zoom? Yeah. Leah's on
1: Zoom. She's going to wear you out here in a second. And does Dillner. <laughs> Freddie, do back of it? me up on this. Oh, we do get buried down the timeline a little bit. <laughs> Freddie knows
0: his place that he needs to. Uh, he knows who the boss is here.
4: It's like they don't get enough attention already. I mean, Dillner was starving so much, and he tried to tag me in a tweet, <laughs>
2: and he wouldn't yeah. even tag Dale Jr. in it. He wrote Dale Jr. without even putting his name in How there. How many times a week does Dillner click the heart or reply to Dell Jr. on Twitter? As many times as I Dale. bet he has searched
4: his first tweet and went from the beginning.
2: Do you think he has Dale Jr.
4: <laughs> notifications on? Like like he probably 100%. Does. He get notified when Dale tweets. He has yes. Google
0: Google Analytics, like anytime Dale's name comes up, I bet you. <laughs> He's sitting up bet.
4: there just giddy right now, waiting for a
2: tweet to come up. <laughs> um, so Jason, pull some strings. Get us more out tweets. from underneath He's not Happy. Look at his face. Get us out He's from He's editing underneath.
0: all of this out of the show. Uh uh-huh.
2: uh. Uh-huh. No. He's got that head down like we, we, yeah. we deserve – I mean, I tweeted it last week. We deserve more love. When are we going to get a pinned tweet on the f- channel?
0: When you stop cursing so you don't make Jason's job.
2: More Speaking difficult. of cussing, I got my COVID shot last week. Went and got my first COVID shot. Uh, what does that have to do yeah, with cussing? Yeah, what? I cussed. <laughs> that <laughs> thing hurt. Uh, actually, the shot, man, doesn't hurt at all. I, so it was a drive through man. It was the craziest thing. I went to North uh, Iredale High School, and I <laughs> drove through – and a lady walks up, and she asks me a bunch of questions, and, uh, and then she sticks me with this needle, and she's like, you can go over here for 15 minutes and be observed, or you can leave. I was like, oh, what could possibly go wrong? So I just drove back home, right? Yeah. Um, but, man, it makes your arm super-duper sore. Have you got yours yet? No, my wife has. Yeah? So, and she complained about her arm a little bit. I got mine, and what I think needs to happen in our sport is if you can prove you've had your shots, you should be able to go in the infield, go in the garage. That is the point because you can't. You're 95 percent immune to COVID. You obviously are saying, "Hey, I'm good." You should be able to go in the garage. It does suck when you win, especially at a track like that. I would have liked to have went. I mean, been cool to go inside. I'm just yeah. saying, like, it, what I don't get about TJ is how do you get to the racetrack normally? I mean, obviously there you got to drive, but oh, with you the fly, same guys that are there. You flew with them, yeah. so why can't you go to Victory Lane with them? I and mean, I have
0: the same with family members too. I right? have
4: minimal contact with anybody mean just the spotters really um you're in your car the rest of the time so it's not like you're not like you're out and about you know huh. so
0: i think there should now that we are further along i think it's coming deal,
2: ev- yeah. eventually here i but, think
0: wives and family members should be allowed in i, I mean, think they are they were
2: joey had pictures with his wife after
0: kid. after the fact though yeah. um but i do agree with the vaccine part and i also think that there's a lot of companies like sponsors who
2: why do wives need to go in there curious
0: um well they're as much a part of the team as like are they yes we I have to speak for myself here I'm gonna sit back
2: yeah I'm
4: not gonna get involved (laughs) in this we
0: do as much I mean the sacrifices that we've made I know Brittany has to deal with her kids she has a lot while Joey's traveling it's
2: really tough being a millionaire's wife it's so hard unlike the crew chief I'm sorry, unlike the, the shot guy's wife. Like she definitely doesn't deserve that. Well, to go I'm to saying
0: any I'm saying any family member. I feel like it's You just said driver's
2: a, wives. You said driver's I wives. I just meant it you as in Brittany,
0: Brittany last week, like and, and those in victory lane. Because so so
2: so all the wives should get all to All of
0: all of the family family members that's yes.
2: never happened in NASCAR history that all the wives are at the racetrack. If
0: they're able to go, there's I mean, <laughs> I know people who go if they're able to, like they'll go to Charlotte race week. Freddie
2: I'm leaving. Freddie's red. <laughs> yes. I'm laughing my ass. because
0: I know, I know Megan would like. She has made a lot of sacrifices while you are traveling. Are you kidding me? Look at me. I'm...
2: So Megan, Megan deserves to be at the track over the CEO of. FedEx. I'm not
0: saying that. I'm saying that like.
2: I'm serious. I'm asking no, you a valid question. No,
0: I feel as though if you are able to go to the track and you are around the people that you're around, you know, I feel like there should. At some point. Well, I feel like the tire
2: guy's wife is just as important as the driver's wife. You're kind of backtracking a little bit, Casey. But I I do agree. Oh my
0: gosh. I just meant that like family members are making as much sacrifices as I'm not getting my point across. I clearly have not had my coffee this morning. I just meant that you
2: were ten minutes late, you have plenty of time to get coffee. I was
0: not ten minutes late. (laughs) I was about to say something really nice about you, and now I'm. You can
2: so okay. take
1: it back now.
0: Anyways, I was just I just meant that family members oh. don't get a lot of credit, and it would be nice. If you said
2: driver's wives.
0: I'm not <laughs>
2: I wish that this were I'm just, a live I'm just show. With I you. just <laughs> wish this were a live show with a live audience, right? <laughs> right. I'm just messing so that I, I can I know see it's what getting getting the live up. audience would Let's be. Take
0: thinking. DBC on the road. I literally yeah. meant family it. members in general. Okay. Okay. You're just giving All me right. f- now.
2: Bristol, Bristol, Bristol. It's dirt, baby.
0: Um. <laughs> so, did you do anything to celebrate your win?
2: Yeah, I drove
4: the road course home and had to bag it down halfway down the mountain because I could smell the brakes on the car. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even go that way anymore. You ever do I that? don't either. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I did that, and I'm like, what is –
2: man, there's nobody in front of me, and I can smell <laughs> the brakes. This is not good. So, I, so one time, a long time ago, John Wood – and y'all know John Wood. And, and John Wood in his 20s was – a lunatic. He's like he is on Twitter right now. He, he's, he's a hilarious. He's on lunatic. Twitter. Uh, He literally rode the brakes the whole way home. That's not a good idea. And caught the car on fire. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, caught it, he caught the car on fire. A rental car? Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but there was another time, uh, and, and there was another time that, that we, you know all the teams have those 15 passenger white vans. Oh, yeah. So he went to his grandpa Glenn Woods house, and he proceeded to power brake. This rear van, this van, so he's got the front brakes held down and the rear wheels yeah. just spinning. Blew out both tires. Nice. Dug ruts in the concrete driveway <laughs> and just left it. Send it. <laughs> John, a- John, if we should get John Wood on here, if because if I can get him hey, to start yes. telling on himself, it would be
4: hysterical. He is hilarious. Some of the comments that he makes on the Wood Brothers. Account. So John
2: Wood is the grandson of Glen Wood. And the uh, son of Eddie Wood, who is still running the Wood Brothers. Eddie and Lynn Wood run the Wood Brothers, along with Kim Woodhall. Hall. Uh, great people. They uh, they lost Bernice uh, this week, which was sad to see. Such a sweet lady. Such a big part of NASCAR yeah. history. Um, but, no, John is John's an epic character. <laughs> His comments, man. His witty little comments are hilarious. And he runs Wood Brothers Racing Twitter. Yeah. His Twitter ha- that
0: Twitter handle is pretty funny. Yeah. He does
4: a good job with it. Some yeah. of the things I'm like, oh. <laughs> Just kind of, but it's funny. No, it is funny. So, it says what you're thinking most of the time.
0: I want to know. Tell me more about Bristol. We, obviously, we couldn't be there. So, did you? Should could go for you a see swim
3: on Saturday and Sunday? Yeah. What? Did you go for a swim on Saturday and Sunday? No. Sunday was. uh
4: no. I
1: needed a. I didn't even go to the. I don't think I. I got to the track. I think. But Sunday. So did you go to the
0: bar instead? No.
1: Saturday. Sunday, I never made it to the track. Saturday,
4: you were at the track because they started the truck heat races.
1: Yeah, but I barely got there, and then I left (laughs) as soon as they pulled. You didn't make it. The truck heat races, when everybody, except for maybe a couple people in the tower, knew that that was not going to be a very good idea. I mean, yeah, roll them off here. There should be – oh, my God, they can't see a thing. (laughs) They ran
4: these dirt layout models out there for about 10, 15 minutes, too. There's four of them,
1: four or five. (laughs) And they are built to run on dirt and had zero traction. Like, could not. They were slipping, sliding. They everywhere. were definitely <laughs> sliding up the racetrack a little
4: bit in the beginning. It was It was honestly, for those cars, by the end of them, was perfect for, like, going yeah, for out there and running a fast lap, like,
2: gripped up, you know what I mean? But we, We've never – we've probably never had a situation where it was more dangerous than that. Nah, That's the nah, most – Because yeah. the the whole field couldn't see.
1: Uh, you weren't there, obviously. Did, did you have a NASCAR radio on for that, the start of that? Oh, yeah. When the when the pace truck pulled out in front of the... Yeah. So they, they go yellow immediately, and the pace truck pulls out, and they start yelling, No, 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 he can't see you. Get out of there. Because yeah. they thought he was just going to run over the back of the pace and truck. And literally, they couldn't see in half a lap. So Not they So they went by,
4: they took the green. In the one, I was like, oh, that's a... L- that's pretty decent like and then they come around the next time was like there's no way they can see like no Bubba,
1: Bubba shot the. Bubba started like I was watching Bubba he started like eighth in that heat maybe and that, you should have I think Bubba's a truck I was <laughs> watching the windshield <laughs> on and he should he shot the middle and passed like two rows of cars because I think it was like Chase Purdy maybe or somebody on the outside yeah bowl. they got checked and a he was bit. he was having he was struggling so he slides and he's sideways and Bubba just runs straight into him I'm like he doing like what what pay attention and then they show his in car and it's you can't see a thing so by the middle of one and two you're already done you couldn't see anything i mean this was pretty much the worst case scenario for what for what could have happened i mean like we talked about it leading into this and that was the most rain i've seen in bristol in a long time i'm just talking about that scenario right there just went to show how little they know about what they're doing you know what i mean like there's no way
2: that was gonna work so you, you give you give Marcus Smith major props for having big cones because hey, he goes for and, it. And and they he ain't scared it, to try something. They made like listen, the amount of
1: work that went into that you like little small details you think about. They had to rebuild the gate in turn 3 just to get, you know, because obviously if you built the track up now the gate's not going to open up. So they had a like little deep the amount of work that went into it is amazing and it wasn't a terrible event, but like you knew all the issues that were going to pop up along the way and it just like I said last week, it's a great idea if it works out great, but there needs to be somebody in a better position to to
2: make decisions because all the stuff we talked about last week happened this weekend. It did, absolutely. We warned them. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to say the dumbest thing I saw during the whole process, though, was only three minutes to prep the track in between the 50-lap stages or 50-lap runs because that's where the track was going to crap and going quick. Like, you have to take the 15 minutes or however much time it takes – to water the track down and get the surface back right, because when you guys are going green and you can't see, that's just stupid. So I, I
1: Monday nights now I've been doing this thing the last couple of weeks with uh, Brian Dunlap, uh, Wikipedia Brian. Say no, Walk- Megan going to be like, all right, no, then. Uh, midget Mondays, <laughs> midget Mondays, yeah. And so I got in there the week before because we were talking about Bristol Cup race, and then I said, well, you know, we I got home and they were they were just still going. It was I don't know like eleven o'clock. I think was we I was on there like two and one talking to these guys, but Chase Briscoe was in there and he was talking about the guys that run dirt, you know, Chase, Larson, Bell, Ricky. Um, Ricky, you know, they were telling them, and listen, I don't know why this is, but they were saying the way they were doing that when they were just watering the top lane and maybe the very bottom under the brakes was making it dusty. makes it more dusty. Like and I don't know why that is, but you know what? Chase Briscoe knows why that is, and all these guys that run dirt all the time know why, so why would you not listen to the guys that do this all the time? Like, if they're saying this is going to make your track worse... Okay, let's try something else. And they did at the end there. But for like when we got to that restart with 100 laps to go and the, like the last double file restart, like if you weren't in the top three rows, you, you couldn't were, see you anything. Done. Yeah. Like yeah. coming at, down the, the front sun, stretch. The sun made it way worse.
2: Oh, guess well, what? It's a day race on a dirt track. I yeah. was just
0: going to say. So, what knowing that we are doing this again next year, besides you said making it a night race, um, sure. having, having a I longer... I don't think
2: Fox will do that. I don't think Fox will make this a night think, race. I don't know if they can.
4: I don't think they will. I think it should be a night race, but I don't – I'm okay with prepping the track a little bit more. I think the tail's wagging the dog and it won't happen. I I think the track prep could be – do it a little bit more. That was a lot – I would have liked to have seen some of them runs go a little bit longer because I didn't see anybody blow a tire. I don't know what the length of a tire wear of a run could be right there. Maybe they could only run five more or less, but I know that it was kind of fun seeing the guys that could move around a little bit and – see the guys that saved the tires because there was actually some, you know, Bubba ran right up on us and he was running that lane that used tires up a little bit more. And then you got, you kind of got right to us and then kind of fell back a little bit. Joey was just creeping around the bottom, saving his tires. And we were able to run the leaders down at the end. And I feel like we were better than them, but we didn't want a chance. We wanted the outside lane restart and we didn't want to be, we wanted to be fourth, you know, or we didn't want to be third for yeah. sure. So we, we just rode around and fourth cause there was no points for that deal. That was the 50 lap thing. So we rode around there, and I feel like that's what Martin did. Martin was so fast, he'd wear his stuff out. And I'm you know, I'm not 100% sure watching I, – I wish Bell and Larson were you – know, I'd have been in a great race with them out there still too, but they were flying in the beginning. Like, Larson – they were – Bell was so fast, so was Larson. But there was actually some, some – a driver, and this is something we don't see a whole lot. We only see it a small handful of times a year where a driver – has to manage the stuff.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I saw that. So I think what you're afraid of is compounding the problem where this, the track itself might turn into a little bit of a sh- show. And then if you now you've got a track that sh- and these guys just continue to blow tires, you're going to get. Yeah, I don't, by I don't want tires
4: to be blowing. I just don't know what the length could they yeah. have run another 25 Well, I mean, laps? Just,
1: you're worried about the practice. I mean, I'm sorry, you talked about your practice tire where, you know, when the track slicked over a lot for the, for on Friday. And you know they, that's why they changed the whole format of the race because they, yeah. you know, guys were wearing their stuff. Hundred might have
4: been too long, but I, I just don't know what the length, yeah. longevity of it would have been. But it, I liked that there was actually some. Hey, a guy saves his stuff like Carl Edwards used to do at Atlanta.
2: He used to ride around, and save your stuff, then you haul ass at the end of the run. If I'm a racer, I don't know that that's a good race. If I'm a race fan, it was a great race. Yeah, it yeah. was truly that's, that's I've it was seen truly a that, great race. There was about a thirty or forty lap segment where it got really single file and boring. But after that, it was right back dusty, you couldn't see the restarts from nuts, then they went to single file like all the crazy things that were happening were awesome to be watching. I can't say that they would have been awesome to be spotting or awesome to be driving, but it was awesome. It was awesome fun to watch. seeing these guys
4: make mistakes because these guys the cup series guys don't make many mistakes. And it was fun seeing a guy miss the bottom a little bit, hurry up try to cover it back up, a guy be there a little bit, you know, maybe maybe bump a little bit. There was just there was that type of type of stuff even that long run i mean we all ran truex down suarez all over him shoves him up the racetrack to me you know seeing suarez up there moving that guy for the lead i mean daniel suarez just moved martin truex for the lead when are we going to say that again this year you know but that's not a
0: dirt racer yeah and he he he, he
4: was wheeling it it. you know he's driving the heck out of it but um, it was just a to me. I thought it was a good race. Just watching the drivers have to maintain their stuff and hit the marks like they were having to.
0: Well, I think we have to keep going, but I will say that
4: why wow, the the Dodger download is done for the week. No, we'll get into
3: all this in a little bit. Yes, wow. we're
0: going to talk about it. But I think that it got people talking about it. I mean, the Today Show, tons of coverage. I think national coverage that we don't it got normally a lot get. Of attention. So
2: for a fan, it was awesome. For I I loved media, watching it. Awesome. You know the the
1: one of the things that I think another more, you know, more inexperience in the booth, in the tower, I should say, is not knowing when to throw a caution. It, we saw in the truck race, and obviously I'm biased at this, just like TJ loves the racetrack because he won. I'm biased because <laughs> my, guy, my guy spun out and didn't get a caution somehow. But we saw this in... He was so good, he kept going. But we saw it in the <laughs> truck race. How, how'd, that, how, how'd that work out when there's a guy out there with a flat tire running around half throttle? Kyle Larson destroyed him. Because you can't, for one, in the cup race you can't see, and two, there's guys sliding around in front of you. So there's a guy right in front of Larson, and I think it was Mike Marler had a flat, and Larson's pinned up against you know this guy's bumper. This guy moves, and Larson has nowhere to go. You can't stop, you can't slow down because you're on dirt, and he ass packs this guy and destroys his truck. Potentially, you know, could have hurt himself there, and then you know we throw cautions for <laughs> we spin out we've got a flat, we do a 360, we keep rolling, and we're slow as down the back stretch trying to get down to get the pit road. Guys are going by either side one at a time, and we don't get a caution. All like right, yeah. We talk about consistent – I don't care. If you don't ever throw it, don't ever throw it. But this is why if you ever watch a dirt race, the second there's a problem, flat tire, somebody breaks, whatever, the guy's out of the groove, the yellow's out immediately because there's a lot less con- car control. These guys can't avoid – we saw it's harder to avoid accidents – on a dirt surface like that, and and you just ask for trouble when you got a guy out there rolling around half throttle. I don't understand why the caution wasn't thrown, but it sucked. Ended my day, but I will say
4: there was at one point one of the guys in the truck race pulled low on the front stretch, slammed on the brake, stopped, and then took off as soon as the yellow came. Oh. Out. That was norm. Yeah, that was. And norm. they finally penalized somebody for they didn't. Well, they didn't penalize him then. I don't think it was that Norm was, that time. It was somebody else.
0: No, it was. It was, was no, nah, it wasn't stopped. Norm.
1: He no, there was another guy. Norm stopped in the bottom of turn. He cut the tire. Like, and no, then this went. is on the front stretch. Yeah. Well, okay. On the like turn. The, I don't. I saw Norm stop like the end of the front stretch.
0: And then keep going once the clock. Yeah.
2: And then took off. Did you know Norm is 179 years old? <laughs> I didn't know he was that old. <laughs> He's pretty old. They flashed his I, age up on the broadcast, and I was like, "Holy crap! That guy's old." <laughs> How old is he? 179. I just laughed. <laughs> we talk about this
1: on here though too. You know. Um, and we've said this before, it depends on who you are. Like, we have seen Kyle Bush spin out intentionally, all these guys spin out intentionally, no penalty. Norm Benning does it, they throw the guy off the racetrack, you know what I mean? Like, yeah,
0: well, I mean, he could not have made it more obvious. Oh.
4: and he also no, came trust out, trust me, neither did his other Dan Mirror caused a big wreck when he came off pit road, too. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> clear all the way to the fence. Here comes uh, the leaders. I mean. Oh, I thought Norm. they were a little rough on Norm at times, but I've seen people do worse. And, But, uh, yeah, I mean.
3: Got Marty Smith in a little bit, so let's get yeah, going. keep going.
0: Yeah, uh, we got to keep going. Anyways, let's hear more about our presenting sponsor, Pat.
3: All
4: right, our friends at OfferPad have launched an exciting new promotion with their NASCAR program this week. Brett, why don't you
2: tell them all about it? Man, here's the really cool thing, TJ. If you go to OfferPad.com backslash test drive, OfferPad.com backslash test drive, you automatically qualify to receive a free Denny Hamlin hero card and a free Denny Hamlin sticker just for putting in the information to get the value of your home. So go visit it right now, OfferPad.com backslash test drive, enter your information get a free offer on your house and freddie they may be surprised how much this offer comes in at are are you saying hold on did you say that you get free denny hamlin swag if you submit your house you 100 get free swag and 50 people are going to get an assigned denny hamlin hat i am going to assign my entire family over it
4: <laughs> i love it yeah when you find out how much your home is worth freddie tell megan it's time to sell i'll gladly come help you move your
1: stuff <laughs> just kidding thanks tj Brett and I will work on cleaning out my bar while you carry out my
2: big-ass couch. I'm damn sure good at cleaning out a bar. Go to offerpad.com backslash test drive, answer a few questions, get some Denny Hamlin swag. You may win an autograph hat and find out how much your home is worth. And that all happens within 24 hours. Let's get ready to sell.
3: A home selling with Offerpad is as easy as... Welcome to Offerpad. How can we help? List with Flex and get our house ready to show. Ooh, that's home listing with muscle.
2: House updates to help us sell for more.
3: Sure, Reno Advance. Our team is on it. When we're through, this place is going to look amazing. You know, I have this feeling. It's never wrong. OfferPad Flex. We got this. A better way to list your home. Start your free sales request at OfferPad.com today.
0: Spot on, spot off. First topic. Dirt ringers Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson are taken out in a wreck after 54 laps of the race. Spot on, spot off. Freddie.
1: Spot off for the show because I think that they would have been up front battling for the lead. I don't you know I don't know if Larson would have been able to keep his tires on, but if he could, he was getting ready to wax our asses because he drove from last to like six, six yeah. in 50 laps. Um, so I, you know. If he could have kept tires on, he's probably the guy to beat the rest of the day. But the thing that stands out to me is these dirt guys are brutal, especially to each other. Like, you can't make them – like, their expectations are so high for one another. Like, Larson was pissed off at Bell. Like, yeah. Bell did this intentionally. You know way what I to mean? Go, like, Bell. Way, way to go, go Bell. Bell. Like, Bell did not intentionally spin out, but they have, like, a, such a high expectation of each other. Like, he's gonna he's committed to running that line because he no, – well, Christopher's not going to screw up, and – Sure enough, Christopher screws yeah. up and now ruins both their days, and he's pissed off at him. But yeah, that was that's the only thing I laugh at. I seen, I think Wyndham did it last year. Somebody spun out in front of him, and he hit him, and he was mad as hell. And I'm like, I mean, I don't think the guy spun out on it purpose. Was just
0: <laughs> ironic that it was literally the two of them
1: just racing. Man, it happens. I mean,
0: Fred, or TJ, what do you think?
4: Man, it worked out great for us. I didn't have to race those two guys. Those two guys were going to be at the front together at some point, like Freddie said. I don't know if they were going to be able to keep the tires on it because I think one thing against them in this, when they run them dirt races, there is no saving yourself in them dirt races they run. They're, you are wide open for as long as you can for 30 laps and you're done. That was that type of mentality seemed to hurt guys, and that one run seemed to hurt guys that did that stuff. So, But they were definitely uh, – I, I I was, like, super surprised how fast Larson made it up to the top ten. I looked back there and I'm like, all right, we're uh, eighth. Oh, Larson's 11th. Oh, already. <laughs> like, Casey, do you,
2: do you and Chad console each other when Bell has a problem? Do y'all, like, sit around and have to hug it out and cry it out? Like, what happens in the, in the boat household? I know you guys love him, so I'm just curious. Yeah. I am spot on because where are the dirt guys? When were they relevant? They weren't relevant all weekend. They didn't lead a bunch of laps. They didn't win stages, and they damn sure didn't win either race. Spot on. I I thought that was a great unknown. Um, Fast cars go fast. Those guys struggled in the truck race. None of them were relevant. And in the cup race, same thing. I looked up there, top 10 in the stages, and, like, you got Ricky Stenhouse at ninth. You got Ricky Stenhouse obviously up there continuing to win at the end. But outside of that, man, the rest of them were completely irrelevant. So, spot on. A nice surprise, I think. This goes back to us talking
4: about how good our drivers are, and they adapt. And we talked about it last week. So, our guys – I don't know if they would go to Ward of Outlaw car or they'd get lapped there, but they adapt to what we
1: what they're given.
0: It would sure be fun to watch them.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash bumper today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bumper.
0: Spot on, spot off. Brett, you, (laughs) of course, just have to cause some trouble. Brett tweets, Dirt cars don't usually have spotters. That wreck looked like several cup cars didn't have a spotter either. And then Corey LaJoy chimes in with, visibility was zero out of two with the glare. So be easy with the Couch
4: Spotter take. If you don't get a Couch Spotter t-shirt made,
2: I'm going to see yeah, if TJ know. and Freddie will speak to what I was actually tweeting about, unlike Corey LaJoy, who I wasn't tweeting about. When Eric Amarola wrecked, y'all remember that wreck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. When all those guys piled into to, to the wreck. Could the spotter stand see the racetrack at that time?
4: I'm going to leave this one to Freddie. He has some experience in that area <laughs>
2: <laughs> from the truck race. Uh, you could see. You could see perfectly fine. I wouldn't say perfectly fine, but you could, you see. could see fine. You, you could see well could enough see. to make a decision you on where see. you wanted your guy you to go. You could see that
1: you, your guy needed to check up. Let's put it that way. Oh, 100%.
2: That's yeah. all I got to say. Martin Truex, somehow or another, he saw it. His spotter saw it. He slowed down. He didn't get in the wreck. Anthony Alfredo is still in the gas trying to pile into this damn wreck, and it was two days ago. So Anthony Alfredo and his spotter need to get on the same page. That's who I was talking about. I didn't say shit about a driver. I said spotter. Corey didn't even know what he's talking about. He texted me this morning. What happened was I got out of the car, and I was mad, and your tweet was the first one I saw. Well, congratulations, Corey. Don't worry, Corey. He texts us. It was your fault. Lay into him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, the like, I don't know. For one, first of all, let me just – get this out of the way now because we're going to have a whole season of this. When Brett is at home watching the races, he is better at everyone's job. Of course I Especially like Especially when alcohol is involved. He can call, the, he can call <laughs> the race. If he's on his couch, he's really good. If he's on a bar stool, he's the best. The best. Um, but, you know, like <laughs> I will agree with Corey, the drivers couldn't see. But this wreck, there's a lot of different layers to this wreck and there's one guy and you picked him out, Anthony Alfredo, where uh Ten spins, he's got the brakes locked up, but he's still sliding up the racetrack a little bit because, believe it or not, we're on dirt. Um, the 78, Golubic clips him. Not really a lot that he could have done, I don't think, differently. And then there's a pack of cars coming. It's the 38, the, the 7, the 15, and the 19. And off of two, you see the 38 just accelerate away from them, from them the rest of the other three. And he actually, you know, he hits, He, I mean, he, Center punches the ten, and that's who kind of knocks the, the ten down into Corey, and then that's how Martin's got to weasel his way through there. But you could see the thirty-eight accelerate, and I think, obviously, I'm going to, especially this week, I'm going to defend the spotter in that situation only for the fact that I sir I saw last night on Radioactive, the crew chief made a comment like I don't know what he was doing, he he just drove right in there, so it almost sounds like spotter might have been calling it and maybe driver didn't listen or what happened you got there. got some experience but, in
4: that area? But
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to that, yeah. I think. But uh,
2: Which I also said on Twitter that the spotter may have been spotting and the driver might not have been listening. Yeah. I, I Regardless, know. it looked like Anthony Alfredo didn't know what he was doing and did not have a spotter. That's what it looked like on TV. So back to the point of no visibility or visibility, at that point in the race, you guys could see. Now, go to the restart where Chase gets a little sideways and Blaney gets in there, and that whole top row of cars couldn't see a thing at that point could spotter see No I saw the car get spun, and that 's the last thing that I saw. I right was there. the
1: last car that you could see so we were seventh maybe around that at that restart, and we we're coming off a of four and i could I could not see Chase outside of us, and all of a sudden he kind of comes down. Like, I see his nose pop out, like, on our quarter, and he hits us, and we kind of all get jumbled up there, and then Blaney. But I I don't know how any of them guys behind us – I could see our car and, like, the nose of Chase's because he was back at our quarter, and I couldn't see a thing behind it. I was like, they're wrecking behind you. I
4: don't know what it looks like. I couldn't tell it was the 12 car that spun. I saw a car start to get spun, and –
1: That like I could just tell something wasn't right. I couldn't even tell what car it was. Yeah, that was the second to last double file. Then they had one more and I forget who it was, but it looked like he I think maybe the fourteen possibly like came down on somebody and that was it. That was then they went to single file and they had to. That was there was no option.
2: I like Corey. I hope he gets the season turned around. I mean he's uh he's he's back there in points, and when you're back there in points and you're finishing bad TJ gets to start from the pole this week because of where he's at in points, where he finished, fast laps on the track. It's hard to start in the very back around a lot of them clowns and and expect to have a good day. No, it's it's, it's tough. It's hard. We had to, we had to do that
4: a couple times. not way back, but like fifteen, fourteen, fifteen, something like that. And yeah, you got to chip away. This is going to be a this is going to be a process. It's going to take a few weeks. To, a few decent finishes to up where you're at, you know, for Corey, they're going to have to chip away at it and get three or four spots at a time. Um, Yeah. And I hope Corey gets turned around as well. I was actually excited to see how that team did this year, you know, with Corey going over there and stuff. I was really, really looking forward to seeing how they can put this year together, but really hard. I didn't see the beginning of that wreck. I mean, I saw it start, uh, but I didn't see, I didn't see a replay of Alfredo coming in there late, but I, it was late enough that I have a hard time not believe. I have a hard time, you know. The spotter probably was saying stuff in time at that point, so that's just my gut instinct on it. You know, that wreck was happening. There are for no little bit. quick resets in real life. There's Anthony. no fast repairs. Calm down.
2: No Keep it Single
0: file restarts implemented for the final 81 laps of the Cup race. TJ.
4: So we were. I was watching a World of Outlaw race two nights before that and right in the beginning of the race they come on and said all restarts and all restarts would be single file we're also reducing the race length to 25 laps instead of like 35 or something like that because the track was really really rutted up and it was pretty dangerous it was car if you had to drive through the ruts your car was going to bounce and they turned two or three of them over so but right in the beginning there uh, you know and i'm kind of it did help, the restarts. It didn't, obviously, for track position, if you're a guy in 20th, it didn't make it any easier on you. But honestly, I didn't find it really putting anybody at disadvantage at that point. You kind of got rolling back where you were, and then you could go back to work. And it was easier to see, uh, definitely easier to see, I thought, because you just didn't have that train, too wide train oh, coming you know, down climb. the front stretch. Yeah, so – and I'm kind of glad NASCAR just stepped up and made a decision on it and, and went with it.
0: So, Freddie, your next – Tell us why, obviously, for those that were not not as much of a dirt race fan, why they went to single file restarts, just
1: like t j said, just visibility part versus I guess for us for the drivers, you know, when you're you want to stretch the cloud out almost, it's not gonna be as heavy if they're too wide, um plus you're not too wide trying to race somebody, you know, and not being able to see, like I said, the last two restarts you could not and it was right after I think it was the hundred and fifty lap break, um yeah, well, it was where right you know they literally restarted and I, like all day long there'd be getting times where the cloud would roll in or maybe the sun would be at a certain angle and i would tell bubba like hey it's pretty tough off of two right now or off a of four and it was always off the two corners of course so um but you know there'd just be times where it got a little bit heavy but it wasn't too bad and then they went on that restart and i was like i can't see shit. like nothing Like, at start-finish line coming at you, you could see the first three or four rows. And then, you know, as they came to you a little bit closer, you could see more. But off of four, you couldn't see anything. Through two was really, you know, heavy. heavy, It was hard to see. Um, They wrecked the first lap, you know, first couple laps after those two restarts, and thank God, because we wouldn't have been able to see them. So then, I mean, it was absolutely – obviously, it's not ideal for – Racing wise, you know the fans are going to see double file restarts, but it was necessary. You know they had there was the call safer. they had to make. Yeah, safer for and, sure. You know that's why that's why the World Outlaws. Their every restart they have is single file. You know the open wheel cars they don't want to start double. They start double filed as race, but then every restart single file. I'm pretty sure the midgets are the same way.
2: Nobody uh, complained. No, I mean I, it, it was like I said, it's not ideal, but it was definitely necessary. I, I'm spot-off just for the fact that it's, this wasn't in the conversation before the race started, that, hey, if this happens, spotter, we may do this. And I'm also spot-off <laughs> because I feel like had they taken the time, like I said earlier, to have the track ready, they'd have been able to keep the double-file restarts. But in reality – have we learned anything here? Is my next question because if we have next year, we start the race like Freddie said, double file, and then we finish the race single file restarts every time after that. If they do this again halfway through the race, I I can't accept that. I look, we live and learn on this one, but we got to learn from it.
1: I think that if you went back now, you know, in hindsight's 2020, and they can do this next year, um, we could we could have restarted double file for that last. 50 laps, because the racetrack was better. But they took the time they, but to they make took the it. Time yeah, to, yeah they, they took time to yes, water it. So, yes. it, like, I think I think going into next year, I mean, the biggest things I think you're going to take away that you want to do differently, night race, because at that point, the sun was starting to set a little bit, shaded, it hung on for five or six laps. Race got to be shorter. Like I we talked about the race was too long. You got to 150 laps, and the track went to on you. Like, that's what the dust came from. There's no reason it needs to be more than 150 laps um
0: more structure around rules more
1: you know and then taking more time to to get the track ready you know get, if you want to make it a halfway break make it like TJ yeah, said 100 and 100 you know, I'm fine with that or even like if it's going to be 150 75 and 75 then you know then, then you are probably going to keep the tires on the car but it's just you know it there there's a lot of different things we could have done differently but you know that that now you learn that if you do rework the track a little bit more instead of taking 3 minutes 10 minutes, you're not, are you going to lose your audience? I mean, you're more of a viewer at that point. Are you going to lose the audience? Are they going to leave because we're taking five extra minutes to rework the racetrack? I think, they can't, I think it pumped them up and gave yeah. them a chance to S- come. Yeah, they're, they're more excited to go, okay, what's yeah. going to happen now? It's been single file, you know. So, like, you could take a little more time and keep your double file restarts and keep the racing better. The racing was great. You know, the racing suffered a little bit in that middle stage, I thought. And then when we went green, that's when you and Denny started putting the show on there where you're, you're racing each other. I liked show before that. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> but, I like that. you know, that, I thought it was racier for 10 laps, oh, 7, 10 laps. Yeah, you it was know, about 7, 8 guys laps. Guys could move around yeah. a little bit. But like for like sure.
2: live and learn, and we'll get better at it, I'm sure.
0: Denny Hamlin tweets, I want a redo after the overtime restart on the cup race. Brett, spot on, spot off.
2: Spot off, Denny. There are no redos in life. Um, I, I would have taken a, a page out of Dale Earnhardt's book right here, and I would have have, have kind of done the old famous Terry Labonte wreck there from back in the day, 98, 98 99, 2000, whatever that was, that Big E dumped old Terry Labonte. Just, uh, just
1: r- he was just rattling his cage.
2: I, I, I would have <laughs> rattled Joey's cage, Denny. Yeah. I Ready? wish
1: I could say what Denny did was right here, but,
2: I mean, what was he waiting on?
1: What, what does he think Joey would have done to him? I mean – I think that he thought Joey would have wrecked him, and then grinned about it when we smirked. Uh, when I think that when we fired off there, Denny was really good, and I think that he wasn't. <laughs> I think that he wasn't forcing the issue because he thought he was going to get him. You know, like one of them deals. Like well, I'm better. At this guy I don't need to force it right here. But obviously, the 22's pulled away there at the end, and then I think we talked about the visibility off a of two. I think he got in the fence off it of to just pushing it because he's i think he said in one of his interviews like i he's like i didn't know where the wall was and that was a product of the wall being painted black which was not a great idea but uh you know so he goes up there and pounds the fence and that was really the end of his race but you know it was gonna get interesting there i thought he, you guys were it wasn't it was behind us there was three or four cars between like in front of you guys and i was like if they jam the bottom up here and joey can't get off the bottom danny's been working the top for like four or five laps now yeah. giving up a little bit of ground but when if he gets stuck on the bottom he's gonna have the top working and uh then he were able to kind of pick your way through traffic before he'd get there but i thought it was gonna get interesting there at the end they prepped the track and it definitely made the the
4: second lane usable and it was going away almost about after seven laps it started going away and denny was committed to it and he just kept driving harder and harder and he just jumped the cushion in one and two i was watching him when he did it and hit the wall but it, it, that's all he really had to try, you know, he could have got on the bottom, but honestly it was, uh, the way we were driving at the end was like an asphalt race and he was getting tight behind us because he was shoving the nose when he'd get within about two car lengths in the middle, one and two, the front end would take off on him. So that's just from my, you know, from what I saw, but catching the lap cars, holy cow. Like it was like, here we go. And, and Joey was actually very patient And just waited until until we got the right run. He didn't try to move up and give up a lot of position. He waited until the door opened and the guy slid up a little bit, and he kind of worked his way underneath there. But, you know, going back back to Atlanta, none of those guys moved out of our way. None of those guys. And I even came down and said something to you because how many did you finish on one down? Or what were you? Uh, Two down. But still, still, you're racing for something at that point, and you caught the caution right then.
1: Yeah, it's good good timing for you because I was getting ready to lock the brakes up and let the boss man win. But, <laughs>
4: but I mean, also we caught we we caught the forty eight down there. The fourteen ran us hard. He's trying to stay on the lead lap. Forty eight even ran lower down the backstretch. We were trying to get inside of him, running us really hard. Like we didn't, you know, it's they to, don't like you, TJ. Well, that's according hard. according to Atlanta, you know, comments from Atlanta, the forty eight was running our lane, even though he was in front of us. That's our lane. He needs to go ahead and move out of the way next time. I guess that's what you're supposed to do. But Joey was just very patient, and I was worried Denny was going to find some grip at some point up there and and go by. But the uh, it had to be exciting. It had it to be exciting. Fun to watch. Uh, it was. It, it was. was fun to watch. It was
2: not Look, fun. to The inter- <laughs> entertainment value of watching that race on television is a hundred. It's an 8. Yeah, that's why should... I'm having Marty Smith on here. I want Marty's perspective, and we'll get Marty's perspective about what it was like to watch it. It's a pain to spot a leading
4: car when a guy's running the top finding speed like that. It is. N- not fun like three back with a run two back one back out clear (laughs) yeah
0: Daniel Suarez leads a career high number of laps and finishes fourth after Freddie's comments last week
2: which good NASCAR cup series driver say top 20-ish in points is going to be the worst at dirt track racing at Bristol because I don't I mean look we don't expect Suarez be included in that oh yeah he's a top 20 driver
1: like that's something that's probably completely foreign to him you know where he came up the 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 path he took, you know, a lot of guys that haven't been on dirt, but I feel like he come, you know, he come from a completely different world being well, Freddie, down there.
2: I, there, I, I, I hate Mexico, to compare León, you oh, to TJ have, right here. I nailed place. it. But he said it was going to take Larson a while to get used to this package again. <laughs> and Larson come out and won a race. And now you say Suarez is going to suck. And he goes out and wins the stage and finishes. So basically good. whoever
0: you bash here's, is going to end up doing. Here's
1: well. the problem with, with the dirt race. We didn't run a dirt race. We ran an asphalt race on dirt that's not true did you see the beginning of the truck race beginning of the truck race was a, fl- a long time before the beginning of the cup race you're
4: like Casey. you're
1: backing up man not a you're, chance you're- I, hey i mean <laughs> the guy did a great job obviously i was wrong but the the <laughs> where you guys were where dirt guys gain where a dirt guy it's like much like a road course racer where a dirt guy has the advantage over a non-dirt guy is throwing the car in the corner getting it to hook up that you know running the cushion, whatever. Did we do any of that? There wasn't a cushion. There was no. All no. you did. I mean, did it, there
4: was there was a cushion when Denny was running the top.
1: Yeah, for three laps and then seven. It, then you, said, you said it was I, eight to ten yeah. actually. But I'm talking about that's after a rework. Where, where was it the rest of the day? It never built a berm like a like a berm. No, we never be, had a true cushion. The no. problem was, and you, we saw this in practice. Least, I had a cushion I under thought, my that moisture. <laughs> we had moisture yeah. up there. They were using the, for grip. The track went to the line you had to run, especially, like, practice. I don't know if it got as bad in the race, but it was pretty close. You ran the same line you did when they put the PJ1 on the bottom, as low and straight into the corner as you could and just hooked the bottom all the way around and tried to keep the right rear tucked
2: in on exit a little bit. Yeah, by the end of the race on TV, it looked like the old Concrete Bristol. Like, I'm talking the one from before they did the 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 rebanking of it. So I liked it, though, because, guys, like – the guys like Martin would run a lane up. You ran a lane
4: up into three or half a lane up, and you turned down. It was fast. I was actually – I was counting Joey down. Hey, Bubba's running this line. He's really fast right now. And I'm like, Joey wouldn't move. And I'm like, <laughs> is he like, hello, is this thing on? Are you going to move <laughs> up and find – and then he told me, he's like, I didn't do that because I felt like it's burning the right rear out. So – and it showed. But you're right. It looked like an old Bristol. If you missed the bottom a little bit, here comes that guy, which I, I think – I wish we could do that yeah,
1: again. I I just wish, and I think it's why you see it more at Eldora because it. One of the biggest issues was we're not on a dirt track. Nope, you know what I mean. We're not. It's not like it's the trucks are going to go to Knoxville, and I think that's going to be a way better show at the end of the year because that's a dirt track and yep. it's kind of built to run that way. And this is, and like I said, the dirt, the the same thing we see at a road course. Why Why is AJ Allmendinger really good at road course racing? Because he can drive in two car lengths deeper than somebody, get it slowed down, hit his apex. Like anytime you watch data like that, you are like. How the hell is that guy getting in the corner like that? I can't do that. Whatever. Same thing. Like if this thing is tacky and and slick and there's a cushion, it's freezing. Them guys are going to show. You know they're going to have an advantage because they can throw the thing in the corner a completely different way, yaw it out and and make it work. Where now you're just you're you're going back to straight, low, slow on entry. Like it's not a it's not going to lend itself to a guy that's been running dirt all of his life. Thirty six cars, two hundred fifty
4: laps. I've never seen a dirt race with that many cars like that. No. Like I, that
2: I was, many laps. I
1: was honestly surprised because the, I think the truck race, obviously, you're getting a little bit further down in experience level, but the truck race, I think the longest green flag run was like 13 laps or something like that. So, I, and we talked about on here, what would we say, 75 laps. And I, I, I was surprised, and I think it's a product of adding those extra cautions. But, you know, I we ran them, I don't remember a lot of wrecking. You know what I mean? I, I mean, there's a couple big wrecks, but I don't remember. It wasn't like we, we had a wreck every 10 laps like the truck race did. There was way more
4: mistakes, though.
3: Oh, like, yeah, for I, sure. Which
4: I like. I, these guys these guys are finally making mistakes and missing corners and stuff. We don't ever see that.
1: We talk about it on here all the time. We want tires to wear out. We want the cars harder to drive. And that was it. Yep. So maybe we just cover everything in dirt. Hell with it. Done. What was the leading – I saw your tweet about what tracks people want covered in dirt. What was the
2: leader? Man, I don't know. I, I There was people literally all over the place. Um, I, I, I just think it's a shame – that bristol motor speedway lost a a date again next year uh i mean i I hate to see that like i wish there was a way to still run two two bristols and then do the dirt thing right but obviously that's not the plan
1: does bristol just become a dirt track now I don't know. I hope not. They run a lot more school.
2: events there now that are dirt than they did before. That's the thing. I mean, we were running five or six races a year. They put dirt down. And they they've run ran 20. more dirt races in the last two they, weeks. They've got more coming. They're running yeah, outlaws got, and stuff. I'll tell
1: you what. I can't wait to watch
2: that World Outlaw race there. They're going to be so fast.
1: I don't know if I can watch it. It's going to be hard to watch. Are you crazy? Why? They are going to haul ass around there. You want You want Chad to get out there and do it?
0: I don't. It just looks – it's so cool. Like That track is just, from a TV perspective, it was
1: scary to me. Yeah. It was so. I've cool watched to watch. them run
4: Syracuse. That was scary to me watching them run Syracuse. I was, I was in
1: that uh, midget Monday deal, and they were talking about like how they have to prep the track to be like really yeah. slick. Like gravel was in there, and he was like, "I hope they make it slick because if they make it tacky where there's any kind of grip, he's like, it's going to be too dangerous, too dangerous, yeah, too way fast." Too dangerous.
4: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
0: Spot on, spot off, Freddie bails on Bubba Wallace in the truck race and stays with Derek Krause, who clobbered John Hunter Nimajek after his spin. And then, of course, JHN had this to say.
4: They're towards the end of that whole deal. Uh, The 19, I guess him and his
3: spotter both need a pair of glasses, so I'll have those for him at Richmond.
1: Bring him. Maui Jims tweeted it. (laughs) What happened? So... My end of this, (laughs) see what happened was, uh, you know, the and you guys have been here before. I think I don't know if I came into a wreck. No, Brett Brett is never
0: wrong. I never
2: wrecked (laughs) seven seconds after the first. It was
1: way more than seven seconds. I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um. But you know, like if you're in turn, which which we were, we're in turn three, maybe four, and this wreck happens in one, (laughs) and I'm like. I didn't like It's not a wreck. It's not like, oh, check up, check up, you know what I mean? It's not a panic, you know? So I'm like, all right, stay, you got to stay low one and two, stay low one and two. And the yellow's not out. Like the yellow doesn't come out. We're already sliding when the yellow, it's a late yellow, and it's tough to see, whatever. It's a black truck up against a black wall. So maybe that's a problem. But like we're, when the yellow comes out, we're sliding already. Like I know, like we started sliding at the end of the front stretch. And I talked to Derek a little bit about it. And I just said, you know, what happened? And he said that. He and we talked about this on the show last week. He said, "I saw the four truck, panicked, jumped on the brakes as soon as I jumped on the brakes, truck spun out, and I was sliding from that point on, like you know, so i you know it's just i prob- I probably had to do something differently to make it make him better aware of i I don't really know exactly what I should have done differently." But I need to do something differently, obviously, because we wrecked into a wreck that was an hour later. But you know, in my mind I was like, it's not it's gonna be easy to miss this. You know what I mean? It's like all right it's car up top, stay low on one and two, stay low on one and two. Good luck. Holy <laughs> shit, we're sliding. Hang we're on, like, we're coming. <laughs> I was like I just I was dumbfounded when I watched I was like, did that just happen? Like son of a, as it's, of course it's happened, and we're racing the shit out of like Timothy Peters and uh, Stewie or somebody's in front of us. Timothy got stopped, and no, he didn't. He wrecked.
4: <laughs> nah, he didn't wreck. He just stopped. He hit the wall barely. Better than a truck um, sitting there.
1: Bar- well, he was going straight. We were backwards. It's hard just to go saying, backwards. He kept going. He didn't. He didn't finish it on the apron okay. with all the fluid on the track. Well, the guy that was up there for The guy that's been racing <laughs> trucks forever was wrecked with us there. So oh man. Um, but yeah, so clearly I mean,
0: spo- spot off assuming
1: spot no oh, i mean spot is, on for is, the comments is, <laughs> spot yeah spot i like the comments i like i like john hunter i mean uh. i used to but <laughs> 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 you might enrich richmond if he brings you glasses I, I was gonna say if he brings me the right pair of glasses i'll be i'll be back on team john hunter
2: but I get it for him. I
1: mean, he spins out. He get well. He got dumped. And I wonder. Then, what, I
2: wonder what Garrett Smithley was thinking when he heard that clip.
1: <laughs> That's. Just, I was just thinking that man.
2: Garrett's, Garrett, Garrett, high five somebody when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was on my radio. Who needs enemies when you got friends like this? Oh boy.
0: Oh no! Other comments there, Brett.
2: No, I thought it was funny. <laughs> Freddie just made everyone else more valuable. So, so Freddie texts me in the middle of last week, and he's like, "Hey." Uh, I, I got a spot for Kraus. You want to come up here and spot for Bubba? And I was like, man, I can't because I had some things already kind of going on. And uh, yeah, couch when body. I watched Damn, this, we should have done it. When I watched this go down, I was like, man, thank goodness. Like Freddie didn't spot for Bubba and he me to spot for Krauss and he's actually <laughs> been able to do it because then I would have looked like an idiot. You
0: do that all on your own, don't you? Worry. I think
4: everybody is involved in a Bristol wreck that just something happens in front of you and just like there's just it's kind of i don't know the driver just racing so hard at time just kind of you know it only takes a few like two seconds
1: of now it was like what do i do here <laughs> oh gosh you know what i mean yeah, I stuff know. happens fast i think he got caught i think if i had to guess he got caught up racing the guy in front of him just thought i, I could run into one and stay low it's not gonna be a problem and then saw you know just just panicked i think it just Panic, locked the brakes up, and then it was over. Like I he started wrecking before the entry to one. Like as soon as we he like turned off the wall and he saw the four, he got on the brakes and it was it was over from that point.
2: We all have our moments where we live and learn. I was at Richmond. I was spotting a bush race for Michael Waltrip. This would have probably been like two thousand one or two. And we were too wide getting into one. At the last minute, somebody crammed it three wide on the bottom. Oh yeah. And I didn't say three wide. So Michael entered like he was too wide and we got punted. And he called me after the race, and he's like, was I three wide right there? And I was like, yep. He said, why didn't you tell me? I was like, it's on me. I, I, it happened so fast, I couldn't. I, I just yeah. didn't tell you. Guess what? That never happened again. So you uh, you take those moments where you screw up, and look, we all do it, man. We're humans. That's what makes oh, the show it. what it is. Uh, I've screwed up my share. I've caused wrecks. I own them. I'm a man about it. Big shoulders, but – uh yeah, that deal was fun to watch, Freddie. Sorry.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I got that at Pocono with Dell Jr. We were back in 28th on a restart, and we went down into one. We were on the bottom, and Colwitt thought the way bottom was going to be better, and you know turn one at Pocono. And I, tell this, and I told Dell Jr. before the race, during the race, hey, once you get to the pit wall, you're kind of responsible for the inside of the car at that point. And we go into one, get spun out, he comes down across, and we didn't hit anything, thankfully, but – and uh, he's like, ah, you know, why didn't you, I didn't know there was a car there. And I said, well, me neither. So, and uh, I'm like, he goes, was there a car there? I'm like, I don't know, man, you're a mile away from me. I'm like, what do you want me to tell you? I don't know. You can't tell
1: sometimes. I'll tell you something else that came out of this whole deal was, so now we're wrecked. We're sitting over there. They go red to clean the track up. The water from the radiator. So Derek's in his truck and I can't see the right side of it. Turned out we had like a broken truck arm. The truck's wrecked. But- I can't see. I know we slid in, but we're not going that fast, really. So I don't know how bad the truck is. So I'm like, "Don't get out." When they go back to red, you know, back to yellow, we'll come down pit road and look at it. Well, the safety worker's like, "Hey, get out! You gotta get out." He's like, "They're telling me to get out." I said, "No, don't get out. You don't. You don't have to get out. There's nothing. You know, you're fine." So they're like, "They're telling him your truck's tore up. You're not gonna. You're you're done." He's so now the safety worker is telling him. You're done. So then, whatever, we go back. They go back and forth. I'm yelling at my official. I'm like, tell him just leave him alone. Well, If we come down pit road and we're done, he'll go to the care center. He's fine. Yeah. So then they get us fired up. They're like, they tell us to fire up to get kind of pointed. Yeah, you got in trouble. So they point. So he fires it up. The guy's telling him, okay, go ahead, go ahead, you know, go ahead. So he fires it up. He's moving. They start yelling at me, moving under red. I'm like, stop, stop. He's like, well, the guy's telling me to go. So now here you go again. Now this guy almost gets parked because the official's telling the wrong thing. So then, the guy reaches in the truck and sw- hits all the switches, and Derek's like, he broke the starter switch off. Like, what are these people doing over there? Like, if if the guy wants to get out, if he thinks his day – the problem is, if you I don't know if you guys understand this or not, but if Derek gets out of the truck right there, you're done. I'm done. The race is over. No matter what the so- right side of the track looks, truck looks like your race is over. You're, you're out of the race now. Be- you you come to pit road and they go. Oh, it's just a tire and we had to beat the fender out. Oh, too bad. Sorry, your race is over because you got out of your truck over there and went to care center. So, like, listen, if you guys are safety workers or tow truck drivers or whatever, just make sure the driver's all right and then let him decide what he wants to do. If he wants his car towed, pushed, whatever, just do it. Like, why is, why is a safety worker
2: reaching in our truck and hitting any of our switches? I don't understand that. Here's what always makes me laugh, right? I see a driver. He's been in a wreck. He's mad. He gets out of the car. And the first thing they do when he gets out of the car is yeah. they grab and they touch him. Man, get the f*** off of me. I'm pissed <laughs> off. I don't know you. I'm fine. Don't yeah. be. I don't like people touching me anyway. No. Don't be grabbing me. Like, I, I'm watching on TV. I'm like, man, why do you feel the need to touch this guy right now? That's the last thing he wants, he wants is some stranger time. touching him
0: that's like I have a bone to pick here when after you wreck and you get out of the car like a midget, look like when people interview you right when you get out of the car
1: they do it all the time at chili bowl oh I think my it's gosh
0: awful. it Dil- Dylan's interview is my favorite but <laughs> anyways we won't get into that
4: <laughs> that's honestly the best interview I look forward I to those <laughs> oh I know I mean for Whoa. for a, for
1: a fan's perspective it's awesome but you like get you the know what thoughts right just then. wants to kill somebody
4: yeah but that's I'm more I'm I'd rather have an interview than the guy touch him I laughed.
1: There was a guy, was it Casey Schumann, I think, last year. Oh, no, 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 no. It was uh, Marcham. It was Marcham. Two years ago, uh, Aaron Reitzel wrecked him, and Aaron Reitzel's a big dude. And and Casey Marcham's like, he's wrecked me twice this
2: week, and if he wasn't so damn big, I'd go over there and whoop his ass. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) That's
3: awesome.
0: Oh. All
2: right, right after this break, we're going to have my longtime friend, Mark Dog, Marty Smith from ESPN in the house. Alright, this Door Member Clear podcast is brought to you
4: by our friends at RacingUSA.com, America's online headquarters for NASCAR
1: merchandise for more than 20 years. The entire Racing USA team wanted us to personally congratulate TJ and the entire 22 team on their historic win at the inaugural Bristol Dirt Race.
2: They also wanted us to let Joy's fans know that a race win t-shirt and three race win diecast are already available for pre-order at racingusa.com a 124 scale autographed by joey a 120 a standard 124 scale and a 164 scale in addition to being google's top rated
4: store for nascar merchandise racingusa.com automatically discount items in your cart so you get the best price
1: they offer free upgrades to expedited shipping racing usa guarantees the lowest
2: pre-order prices they ship all in stock orders the next business day racingusa.com currently has merchandise available for 39 different drivers they also give away a 200 gift card to one lucky fan each and every month so whenever you want a new die cast
4: t-shirt hat helmet or a novelty to show your support for your favorite driver be it joey chase kevin kyle martin or someone else you need to shop racingusa.com america's online headquarters for nascar merchandise for more than 20 years
2: How you been, brother?
3: What's up, big time? Man, I'm paying rent. You know how it is. I'm uh I'm a very blessed man. Uh everything's great. My family's good. Work's crazy, but y'all know about that. I can't complain to y'all about that. Uh but dude, I'm 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 if I complained, I ought to have my ass whipped.
2: So I, I gotta ask you, man. We've been buddies a long time. Uh Laney's put up with you for even longer than that. How many years have you and Laney been kicking it?
3: It will be 21 years on May 20th. How about that? Wow!
2: How about uh, that, man? That's uh, that's yep. that's good stuff. We we go way back. So I want people to hear how you got into NASCAR, how you became such a big fan, and and ultimately how you ended up at NASCAR.com, which is when I met you.
3: Yeah. So it was it was really an interesting path for me because as a kid, uh, of course, I grew up in Appalachia. I grew up in a little little farm town in Southwest Virginia about 20 miles west of Virginia Tech called Parisburg and uh, a lot of my buddies and me all, all farmed and our, our families owned farms and whatnot so I kind of came in in it where I looked at Dale Earnhardt, and Richard Petty and David Pearson like gods and so I grew up a Davy Allison fanatic as a kid and then when Davy died, I just couldn't find another guy like I couldn't if for whatever reason it really impacted me. And then uh, as a junior in college, fast forward several years to when I was a junior in college, about five years later after Davy passed, I was at the time what's called a stringer. And any of y'all who know anything about the newspaper business know that that's somebody that newspapers pay per article, basically. And I was covering high school sports for the Roanoke Times newspaper in Virginia And when the school year ended, they sent me to cover the local short track, which was then New River Valley Speedway. It's now called Motor Mile. And uh, I was not into NASCAR very much at that moment. But, dude, two laps into watching Philip Morris and Jeff, Jeff Agnew beat the absolute hell out of each other to win a Saturday night show at New River Valley Speedway, I went, I know what I want to do with my life. And from that second on, I made it my mission that I was going to NASCAR and I was going to get to cup as fast as I could. I didn't know exactly what that path was yet, but when I graduated from Radford University in 98, I got a job in Lynchburg, Virginia, and my two beats were Liberty University football and NASCAR cup racing. And so I went to like Martinsville and Richmond and Bristol and Charlotte, the regional tracks that I could drive to. And I wrote a NASCAR column every week. One of which was on a guy named Paul Brooks. Brett, I know you know who Paul is. Uh, Paul, at the time, had been promoted to vice president, office of the president was his title. And he was from Lynchburg. And his mom called me, still lived there, and said, hi, Marty, wonder if you'd like to do a story on my son. Well, sure. What's what, what your son do? I figured it was going to be Joe Bob Jordan, the street stock driver down the street. <laughs> and And she said, his name's Paul Brooks. I said, all right, what's Paul Brooks do? Well, he just got promoted to vice president of NASCAR. And I went, well, hell yeah, you need to give me Paul Brooks' number. And I called Paul, and we hit it off, and I wrote a piece. And one thing kind of led to the next, led to the next. And a job opening happened here in Charlotte at what was then NASCAR Online. And it was only three or four years old at the time. That's how old we are, y'all, who are listening. <laughs> uh, hell, we, we there wasn't an internet when we were in high school. Um, but... Anyway, I moved to Charlotte. I went from making twelve thousand eight hundred bucks a year to making about nineteen. And you and me met and started drinking beers every single day and running around the country chasing race cars. And you talk about the time of your life, man. Because the only thing that mattered was fast cars and and like I was just so full of wonder at that time. I'd never been anywhere. So going my, you know, what my first race was with NASCAR corporate Sonoma, California.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so I got on an airplane and I flew from Charlotte to San Francisco and I landed in San Francisco and I got out and I got in a rental car and I went, Holy <laughs> where, I don't know where I am. Did I land on Mars? Like I, because I'd never been anywhere. I was as country bumpkin as you could find. And man, from there, it's just been one blessing upon the next, upon the next, upon the next. And. Y'all, Brett ain't lying. Uh He was one of my first friends in the sport. He really embraced me, and we raised more hell than you can shake a stick at.
1: You're the you're the first person to come on here that ever said Brett ain't lying.
3: But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean,
1: I mean, so I get asked this all the time because I I, I might have, maybe I picked up the torch where you left it, but we've been running pretty hard for a while now, and and I mean. I always say I can't because I don't I can never think of one. Do you have any good Brett Griffin stories? I mean, because everyone I could tell is not suitable for public knowledge, I don't think. So
3: Yeah, the vast majority of mine are better left <laughs> locked away over here somewhere too. Um
2: uh, We definitely don't need to tell on ourselves right here, Marty. Yeah,
3: yeah. I I'm trying to I'm trying to think of one. There's no that, PG ones to tell. No, there's really never not. One. I mean like <laughs> There there we did have a we had a rain out one time in Richmond. I think a damn tornado came through. It did. And and I don't even remember what year that was. Two thousand one, two, I don't even know. It was years ago. And they NASCAR, in an unprecedented maneuver, canceled the race for the next day. So we're all stranded in Richmond. That's bad news. With yeah, with nothing to do. <laughs> So, I can tell you that young Mr. Griffin and I found some random bowling alley, and we bowled, we drank them out of beer, and I, I think I sang She Thinks My Tractor Sexy 47 times on the karaoke <laughs> box.
2: For sure. Marty, one of the things that you did, and I'm going to compare you to Barney Hall right here. Barney Hall came in, and he was really wow. good – at developing relationships with the drivers. We don't see that a lot with our media. Like We may see them have one person they got a relationship with, but when I got here, man, I couldn't believe how close Barney Hall and David Pearson were, and Barney Hall and a lot of the drivers. You came in here, and you didn't just work to be a media member. You worked really hard to be in the relationship business with these drivers. How, How in the world did you do it and do it so well? Because I don't see that these days.
3: Well, honestly, brother, that hasn't changed. Uh, my, my philosophy and my approach haven't changed. the sport has. Uh, and I mean the sports I cover. I take the same exact approach with college football coaches and players. I take the same exact approach with go- professional golfers now, uh, you know world-famous horse trainers. whoever that is, I'm a relationship guy. And when it comes to the, the drivers themselves, I mean, you and I came in in an era in the, the end of the 90s and the early 2000 era where Dale Jr., Elliot Sadler, Matt Kenseth, Jamie McMurray, uh, all, like all these guys who are just badass human beings, Jimmy Johnson, Kevin Harvick, all these guys, uh, they're just they're, they're fun dudes. And they were all really young like us. They were our age. They were all racing bush cars which was a different world than Cup. When I first came in, I covered the Trucks and the Bush Series, Basically, almost, ex- almost exclusively. I did some Cup, but it was, it was pretty rare in 98, 99 that I was doing Cup Series. So we'd go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to race some race on, on, the, on a July 4th weekend. And you remember Summerfest?
2: Oh, yeah. Big deal.
3: Hell, we'd go, we'd go watch the damn violent films play on the front row and with those, with the drivers. And so it was pretty, it, it, my whole philosophy was pretty simple. Like, I I like being liked. It's one of my greatest insecurities. And so that's the approach that I take. Like, I try to develop a, a beyond a rapport. I want a relationship with those people with the caveat. And you can ask every one of those people that I just mentioned. They all know. If they screw up, I'm reporting on it. And I'm gonna be as honest as a human being can be. I'm gonna be fair and I'm gonna be accurate because if you screw up, it's on you. It ain't on me. And so, like I remember in 2006, I guess it was when Johnson broke his wrist surfing on top of a golf cart like a jackass. Um, so after so about he a bottle of tequila, yeah, yeah, oh, well, he was all on one. And so, so I report that, and and he was furious at me that I had reported it. And I'm like, dude, like you're the champion of He's like, why is it news? That's not, that's not a story. I was doing it on my own time. And I'm like, brother, I understand that it might be frustrating, but you're the champion of one of the five biggest sports on earth. It is news. And eventually you're going to understand that that was not my fault. If I didn't report it, somebody would have, it would have came out and, honestly it's better for you if I'm the one saying it because I'm going to be as fair as human being can be. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of always my approach. And and again, it still is like, I, I feel like I have really good relationships with a lot of the most famous and and successful coaches in the history of college football. And I like it that way. Uh, ultimately I'm able to get some stories and some insight that maybe some other folks can't as a result.
2: Awesome, man. So when you when you look at your career, you leave NASCAR.com. You go to ESPN. I didn't know that you were going to become as big as you did in the TV world outside of reporting. Did you know that that opportunity was going to be
3: there? Not just no, but hell no. And and I'll tell you I'll tell you it was interesting, brother. Because so kind of the story behind that is my son Cameron is now fifteen, and he was born in November of '05. And in the springtime of '06, he and I were riding down the highway in my pickup truck. We'd gone to Costco in South Charlotte to get a sheet cake for what I don't know, but it made it comforted him as an infant to be in my truck with Eric Church playing. So I took him on this ride to get this this, this cake, and my phone rings, and I'm super shady about numbers i don't know like i, I screen everything but this is an 860 number pops up and for whatever reason i felt led to answer it so i answer it and it was a guy on the other end named jack obringer from espn and he said hey marty my name is jack obringer i need you to keep what i'm about to tell you under your hat uh it's not for public knowledge yet But we're coming back into NASCAR. We're going to be broadcasting the sport again starting starting next season. And I've begun the process of putting together my reporting team for our ancillary programming, Sports Center, we're going to have a daily show called NASCAR Now, um, ESPN News, et cetera. And, man, everybody we talk to says your name that you know the drivers really well, that you have a great pulse of the news in the sport. You're tuned in in the garage and connected in the garage, and you know what's going on. And well, I'd like to talk to you about th- – now, this is not a job offer, but I want you to think about potentially coming over. And you know what I did? I said, oh, man, hey, I'm so grateful. I appreciate it. You got the wrong Marty. There's a guy named Marty Snyder who is awesome, and that's who you meant to call because he is – a baller on TV, and he's very well connected, a great – that's who they're talking about. He goes, no, 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 no. I know who Marty Snyder is too. They're talking about you. Just think about it. I said, Jack, I don't, I've never done TV. I don't know anything about TV. And he said, that doesn't matter. I need who and what you know. I'll teach you TV. And Griff, you've known me a really long time. I'm a guy – I would rather crash and burn and fail knowing I can't than wonder when I'm 75 if I could have. And so I came home and I said to Laney I said, "Baby, I think ESPN just offered me a job." She goes, "For what? ESPN.com?" I said, "No, like to be on TV."
2: <laughs>
3: and she goes, she goes, "What?" I said, "I don't, we got to think about this and pray on it. I don't know." But ultimately, man, I, I I knew it was right. now did I know that the chess game was going to unfold the way it did? But I mean, you can't There's no way to know that. I'm a grain of sand and, and on the, in the Sahara, and I know that. And we could go down a rabbit hole, and I could give you all these different things that happened that led to where I'm currently sitting that are beyond comprehension. But to answer your question simply, no, there is no way that anyone could have guessed that someone who was hired as a, a NASCAR insider who got one minute to 90 seconds of TV a week could end up covering the college football playoff and the Masters. Like, no, no, that, that, no.
2: So so same time you find out you get this dream job, fast forward, ESPN leaves the sport, you've got to decide, man, if I stay here, I'm not going to cover NASCAR yep. like I always have, which goes back to your your dream job when you were in college, I want to do this. Like, what what was that like, that transition?
3: It was crazy because – to your point, you're very astute. To your point, you know we no. all knew
0: that no. NBC. No. Yeah,
3: y'all listen. The man, the man needs some self confidence. We got to pump has, up. We yeah, gotta pump that's up exactly self-confidence what he needs: self confidence. He, he has enough of that. I can guarantee you. Uh, I'm actually a little disappointed in y'all. I figured we'd do this about 7:45 at night so I could have a cold. In my hand. I mean, nobody's anyway, stopping you now. I know all the 97 practices I have to take my kids to later that's what stopped <laughs> me but so so let me walk you through how that unfolded because it's it's a storybook too it's kind of crazy so we knew that NBC was coming into the sport and that, that ESPN was leaving and and so so what do I do do I go to Fox or NBC or you know and really stay entrenched in the garage that assuming they even wanted right uh, or and stay entrenched in the garage after 17 seasons or do I go man' I'm gonna, I'm gonna resign to ESPN who I know still wants me and hold on a minute y'all my dog wants out. <laughs> <laughs> yo pain in my butt. <laughs> anyway, so so do I do I stay at ESPN because and and and, and, and bet on myself and ultimately, that's the decision I made, and I didn't care if I got sent to cover the chainsaw races out in Idaho or the Cornhole Championships. I was ready to see what was out there for me. Y'all ain't going to – so this is the craziest story ever. So I come home from Miami, Florida, last race of the 2014 NASCAR season, and I walk into my house on a Monday morning. And those of y'all who are road warriors and who are married know this Know this play. You know this act. Your spouse is exhausted. They're just utterly exhausted because they've been on an island. And my wife is a champion. She is such a champion for me chasing my dreams and loving and doing, being the absolute best at what I do. She's not a complainer. That's not who she is. But I come home from that final race in 2014, she had tears in her eyes. She said, Martin, I need you home. We had eight, five, and two at home at the time. And I'd basically been gone 100 of 130 or 40 days. And so I'm like, don't worry, honey. My new contract doesn't start till January 1st. I'm going to be home for six weeks. I'm all in. I'm dad. I'm husband. I'm involved. I'm engaged. I sit down on my couch. We put our older two in the car for her to take them to school. I sit down on my couch. Open up my email, and the very first email in there was from a guy named Lee Fitting. Lee now runs all of football at ESPN. He oversees Monday Night Football, all of our college football coverage, um, the college football playoff, college game day, all of it. At the time, he was the executive producer of College Game Day. And this email says, Hey, Marty, I'm Lee Fitting, my name's Lee Fitting. I'm the executive producer of College Game Day. You belong in college football. Your passion belongs in college football, I want you to start studying because I'm going to embed you with one of the four schools that qualifies for the inaugural college football playoff. I was holding my, like I, I may as well have been reading like Sanskrit or so. I couldn't believe what I was reading. Because sports centric people and 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 look we can we can think NASCAR is global all we want. It's still pretty niche. So for someone who is a reporter in a in a niche sport to be asked to go to one of ESPN's most important platforms like that, it, it's, it's honestly unheard of. Like imagine Barry Melrose who covers hockey all of a sudden being on a field at the NFL playoffs. <laughs> you'd kind of be like, you know when a dog's confused and they kind of cock their head? I think that's how college football – fans were when they saw me, the NASCAR guy embedded with the Ohio state Buckeyes of all teams. So, so off I went and I studied my tail off and Ohio state went on to win the national title that year with Ezekiel Elliott and Joey Bosa and Michael Thomas and the whole Cardale Jones movie that got written and urban Meyer and the whole thing. And and a lot of fans were confused, and they were like, "What in the hell is this?" And I had to win them. I had to win them, and I don't blame them for feeling that way because if, you know, as a as a hardcore college football fan, if somebody that I didn't that I knew from another sport was covering, I'd be so confused by that. But ultimately, it worked, and I've just I can't believe the ride I've been on, dude. I just can't.
2: You made rednecks proud everywhere. I could tell you that. And speaking of rednecks. We were dirt track racing this weekend, man. Tell me what you thought.
3: I thought it was killer. Uh, the, the jury was out for me. Uh, I, I was not sold. I, I was like, I have to see this. I have to see what it really is before I can form an opinion. And I, I mean, I liked it. And with, with all the crap that, that the sport had to go through, like what a bummer Sunday was. And Then for for Monday to be a really good show, I felt like it was a really good show. and I was wearing Junior out the whole – I mean, he and and I were texting back and forth the whole race. And, you know, you can hear his opinions on it on on his podcast. But, you know, I said to him during the race, I said, I don't know about this. I can't decide if it's awesome or if it's awful. I said, but you know what would be awesome is if Marcus tore the pavement up at Wilkesboro – and like made it a dirt track, make it a dirt track, and go. Let's go run there for every year. Let's go run there. And then I couldn't believe I don't. I haven't listened to that podcast yet, but I know Marcus said something about Wilkesboro. So I texted Junior. I texted Junior last night. I said, "I'm Nostradamus, son. I was right. He's going to do it." Uh, but ultimately i thought it was really cool what what y'all think about it, you I, like mean, it?
2: We, I said to Freddie, you know i was a sports fan this weekend and had i been racing i think i'd have been really frustrated had i been a spotter this weekend but as a fan i gave it a 100 man i gave it an a yep i, I was about yeah to- i
3: just felt like it was it was so cool to see like i don't know all the work that joey logano or chase elliot or some of those guys put in, I know they went and ran like dirt modifieds and all that kind of stuff to, to kind of get the feel and whatnot. But for, for them to be that, like to be to win, I just, I I, I thought Kyle Larson would lap the field four times. That's where I would have put my money.
2: I think TJ liked so, it. He has greatest race I ever. T-
3: <laughs> I imagine TJ did like it. <laughs> I can tell you this though. Congratulations to y'all.
4: Thank you. Leading up to it, there's, probably joey put in a lot of work man we've he like joey's always put a lot of work in and man we've had so many conversations about it what do you think track what about this what about that i can't there's probably no race we've had more conversations about other than daytona 500 at the beginning of the year uh as far as like studying things there's there was really no nothing to study but i watched a ton of races during the week when they ran there when they the dirt nationals or whatever they were called and I think Joey did as well just to kind of see where guys would move. But our race actually turned into a way different type race than that. But a lot of prep, a lot of prep went into it. So, um, it was just, it was nice to have a shot at the end and man, when they groomed that track a little bit and for that last 50 laps and the top came in a little bit, it got a lot closer than I wanted it to be at the end, but it had to be a great show with Danny running the top and, you know, making up ground and, and Joey rolling, rolling
3: to bottom really good.
4: It had to be a great race.
3: He's man, I, Denny Hamlin's just a freaking stud. I mean, that dude's a wheel. We man. agree. I mean, just a straight up wheel man. And I mean, I, and I don't know what what I expected when Denny came in. I knew he was. Let me go back to Junior a minute because I, I found I, I still find this to be fascinating. What racers see that that like someone like me who doesn't have that level of knowledge or that level of vision. C's. I remember this was probably 2007 or six. I did a piece on Kyle Busch and how Kyle was the future. And he's this young kid and Rick Hendricks tabbed him to drive the five car. And, and he's just going to like the sport on five. He's going to be a great one. And obviously I would like, that was a correct uh, a prediction, but I asked Dale jr. About it one time at a media availability, he goes, Danny Hamlin. I'd never heard of Denny Hamlin, so it must have been before 06. It must have been like 05 because Denny came in in 06, right, yeah. I think? So he goes, no. He said, watch this guy, Denny Hamlin. Just, just remember that name, Denny Hamlin. And I was like, who? Man, there he is. I mean, I can't believe how many wins he has. I can't believe. And and, and th- th- I'm not in no way, shape, or form am I, being, am, am I uh, saying that he's like Exceeded my expect. I don't know what my expectations were, but he. I think he's destined to win a title. I just, they're they're just awesome everywhere.
2: I think the I think the Indy race is really the only thing left on his bucket list. As far as I got to do this, you know, three Daytona 500s, like you said. I mean, the guy has been been phenomenal. Look, man, we didn't mean to keep you this long. I love you to death. I see a book behind you. Never settle. Uh, if you don't have a copy of that, go, Marty. Tell us what's in that book, man. Tell us why we should buy it
3: i'm I'm floored by it, to be honest with you, man. I had the opportunity a couple of years ago, my agent called me and said, Hey, man, there's a couple of publishers that have reached out who are just intrigued by you, and the the people that you cover and the stories that you've done on TV, and the way that you live your life, at least what they see. And so come so I flew up to New York and I met with a couple of publishers. And 12 Books is my publisher. And Sean Desmond is the, is the guy who I met with. He's my publisher at, at 12 Books. And we sat up there on Fifth Avenue and we had a conversation. And I decided to, to do this book. And uh, it's called Never Settle. And basically what it is, is it's all of these amazing experience that I, experiences that I've been blessed to have. It's talking about losing your daddy too early with Nick Saban the day you meet him. It's going to China with the most famous athlete on the planet, Cristiano Ronaldo, and learning about his life and trying to humanize him. It's sitting across from Tiger Woods before he won the Masters. This was March 1st, 2018, after he had his back fused, and laughing and crying and learning about all of it. It's all of these amazing experiences. Dale Jr., like, like discussing one of the greatest lessons I've ever gotten in my life was from junior. Shut up. I'll tell you that story real quick. In 2012, I did a interview with Jeff Gordon at Daytona and it was, it was, I felt like I had, I had prepared well for this interview and I wasn't going to let Jeff veer off of the path that I wanted the interview to go. And when that happened, I would cut Jeff off and I would try to steer it back my way. Well, I thought I was just some kind of badass because I felt like it went really well. A couple of weeks later, the piece airs at Loudoun, New Hampshire. And after the race, I was outside the 88 car. Shocking. ESPN wanted some junior sound <laughs> after the race. And there's probably 25 reporters out there with me. Twenty twenty five reporters. And Junior gets out of the car, and he's I don't know what drivers are looking at when they get out, and they're, like, looking at the car after the race. What the hell are they looking at? I don't. Anyway, <laughs> so he's, like, looking at his car, and he turns and looks at me, and he kind of gives me one of these come here things. and I, I'm like, me? So I walk over to him, and he kind of pushes me up to the, the edge of the, of, the, of the transporter and turns his back to the crowd. And he goes, you need to shut up. And I said, excuse me? I mean, y'all know, like that dude's like my brother. I'm like, excuse me? He goes, you need to shut up, man. You need to stop interrupting people. I said, what the hell are you talking about? He goes, I was watching that interview you did with Jeff. And there were things he was saying that I wanted to hear his opinion. I wanted to hear him finish. And you cut him off. You need to stop cutting people off. It's rude. And I felt about an inch tall. And you want to know why I felt an inch tall? Because I knew he was right.
2: That's a Dell senior moment for Dell junior. Like that's something that Dell senior would have done to somebody.
3: It completely changed my entire approach guys, because I stopped interviewing people with insecurity and I started interviewing people with confidence because when you're willing to let someone ask open-ended questions and let someone tell you their story, then ultimately you have your mouth shut and your ears open and you're listening. And it was honestly one of the greatest things a friend could ever do for me. And he hates when I – he's like, man, stop telling that damn story about me telling you to shut up. Dude, I love it. Last question because it's got to be
2: a follow-up. You to might if
1: any of us get any questions I'll, in. I'm sorry, man. I had seen them. talk to
2: Marty. White. <laughs> Last question from me, Marty. All those people you just named, all those big – you and I are sports freaks. Somebody yep. had to have freaked you out when you when that name came across your desk and said, hey – you're getting ready to go spend a bunch of time with this person. Which one made you nervous? Like one of those had to have scared you.
3: It, I, don't, I I don't really get nervous, but I'll tell you, Tiger Tiger was a unique one because I just didn't know what I was going to I didn't know what I was going to get. Like am I going to get am I going to be able to kind of crack this code? And let me tell you guys the greatest story. So, all right. So last race of 2017 back to Miami. It's June junior's last race, right? He gets out of the 88 car and I go over to interview him for sports center. Y'all may remember this interview. I don't know, but we're standing beside his race car and I interview. his crews all around and they're slamming red label buds and everybody's just enjoying them, which is what junior wanted. He wanted to have this authentic moment with his boys with the guys that have sacrificed to make him better in his career. And it was just this beautiful scene. Well, I go in and I probably said eight words, 10 words in the whole interview. And he was just beautiful. He had this beautiful vulnerability about him. And he hits when the interview's over, he hits me on the chest. He goes, What are we gonna do now? I said, Well, we're, what we're gonna do is we're gonna shotgun one of them Budweisers. Tell me one of them damn Budweisers. So, so out of the, out of the nothingness, out of the night comes this Budweiser and I catch it and I crack it open. And you know, me and him slam these buds on this goddamn Pelt show. And so, so fast forward back to tiger. I'm in the clubhouse at medalist golf club down in Florida. That's tiger's home course. And I'm going over this like list of 10 questions that I want to ask him. Like these topics that I want to get to. And this, Shadow washes across the doorway and I look up into my left and it's tiger freaking woods. And like, I don't care whether you love golf or not. I love golf. Whether you like it's tiger. He's the most dominant athlete certainly of his, of his era. And maybe ever. I mean, it, he's in the conversation forever. And for whatever reason in behind tiger woods is Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, I think they had a Nike thing that day or something, but anyway, Tiger comes in, and I hop up, and I'm like, man, all right, here we go. So I go to shake his hand, and he grabs my hand, and he kind of gives me this bro hug. So so he goes, you know what? He said, I got to tell you something. He said, you know, the one of the best things I've ever seen on ESPN. I said, what? He goes, man, when you shotgun that beer with Dale Earnhardt Jr. after his race, <laughs> he goes, that, that was awesome. And I'm going, I'm sitting there going, Tiger, me and you are going to get along just fine, brother. <laughs> and... <laughs> Y'all, I'm not even kidding you. Like from that, from that moment, he was so gracious to me. He agreed to give me 20 minutes. We went almost 40. And uh, it was just the most surreal time. And since then, I've, I've been blessed to interview him several times subsequently. And he's just been so gracious to me. And I don't know why, but uh, I'm very grateful for that. You know, Ronaldo was interesting. Uh Saban was interesting the first time, but me and him have gotten pretty close. So uh yeah, I mean certainly there's people who have intimidating presences. Is presence is a word? Uh, I'm gonna use I'm it gonna is make it down if it's not. <laughs> yeah. It is in a country.
1: So so obviously I don't have the relationship or well, we've never met, obviously, and we'll have to change that next time the three of us are in the same place because I think we all have a common interest in beer. <laughs> but, so, you know, going back and trying to figure out, you know, what the hell I was going to talk to you about, there's a buddy of mine that you may know, and he fed me a little bit of information. Um, he, he wanted me to ask you about, like, what it was like to drive a $300,000 Aston Martin, and then you could tell me if this is the same story, because he said something about a, there was a curb at in and out maybe?
3: Okay, so I don't know what ESPN and Formula One were thinking, but last weekend they sent Ryan McGee and me, to los angeles beverly hills california to beverly hills and handed us a three hundred thousand dollar aston martin vantage drop top and said drive it around la so we can capture some content and you know of the assignments i've gotten that one may be the tip of the spear for i ain't going to ask any questions because they might figure me out (laughs) well we did we drove all around la and we, uh, captured a bunch of content and that thing will get up and go. I felt like a pansy. I don't know if I had the traction control on or what, but we were on the eighth story of this parking garage and I'm like, screw I ain't going to have a however many hundred horsepower car and not try to light this thing up. Exactly. And I tried my, t- I tried my tail and I failed. <laughs> like I somehow left all this rubber but I couldn't get it. I, don't, I couldn't. I wanted to do a donuts, man, and I just couldn't get it to spin. I don't know what I was doing wrong. Lack of talent, I guess. But look, McGee can say whatever he wants about me curbing it at the in and out, but he knows the truth. If he wants to talk about curbing that Aston Martin, tell him to go find a mirror. I'm gonna leave it there because I don't want to. I don't want to out him too bad. But let's just say he got knocked the damn front off that. And,
1: thing. and just to be clear, there's no truth the rumor. You guys have changed the name of the show to Matt and McGee.
3: Mark, Mark and McGee. Oh, Mark.
1: He, he said Matt. Yeah,
3: we did it. We did an interview on a KTLA at like seven seven thirty in the morning out there on the West Side, and this sweet reporter, she was wonderful. She goes, and now we're joined by Mark and McGee, and he and I just played it up. And, and McGee, McGee was like, "Oh yeah, Mark and I talk about it all the time."
2: So that played right I, to Mariah McGee's personality to, to yeah, throw you right to in throw them that bone. Oh, yeah.
3: Yep.
0: Oh, can we have you back on the show like every week and share a different story that you have? Because I I feel inspired now. This is awesome.
3: Well, honestly, I I appreciate that. Thank you. Honestly, like back to that book, just a second. I'm not sitting here trying to sell them. But the entire reason for writing it was I've been so fortunate in my life and, and blessed by people who've given me opportunity in myriad different ways I also, um, I mean, it's as vulnerable as I've ever been. I I admit a lot of warts. I admit insecurities that I have, uh, and, and continue to battle. Um, I really dive deep into losing my mama and daddy too early and what that really did to me and, and how much it messed with my head and how I had to really find myself. And I will tell you guys this, um, selfishly, of course, when you're an author, you want like the New York Times bestseller type. But that can't define your work. I was blessed to get that type. And thank you to everybody who's who's supported that book. It means the world to me. But what really matters is the letters that show up—I don't know how people get my address. That's a little different. But anyway, <laughs> the, the letters that show up in in Laney in my mailbox, or that, that show up at ESPN, that say "Thank you so much for writing those words. You saved my life." Or "Thank you so much for saying what you said because it impacted me deeply. Um, it changed my perspective. It saved me in a lot of ways." And I know about that vulnerability. I'll never forget. I mean, a lot of y'all know, like Eric Church is one of my dearest friends. And he's always told me the night before an album came out how insecure he felt, how anxious he was. And I'm like, what the hell for? You know the work's great. And it's this. It's vulnerability. Anything worth its salt is vulnerable. And if you're willing to put that energy out into the world, then you have to be okay with whatever energy comes back to you, no matter what it is, because it's real. It's real. And that's a terrifying prospect, but when it works, man, it's special. And we've been able to, to give two college scholarships with that book.
2: That's awesome, man. That's good stuff. We're man. Blessed. That's, that's awesome. Well, we love you, brother. Good to see you. Let's catch up and grab a beer and i on a boat ride here coming soon. Surely this rain will go away from Charlotte at some point.
3: Uh, be careful with that pollen. Good Lord. <laughs> almighty. I mean, I need a Zyrtec deal anyway. Uh, <laughs> Y'all are one. Thank you for listening to all my drivel. I appreciate it. I miss you guys. I love the sport so much. And what you guys do, passion is undefeated. And, like, we control three things every day, kindness, effort, and passion. That's us, That's us. We decide. And y'all's passion for the sport matters because it resonates. And I appreciate that. I love it. Be good. Everybody stay safe. I appreciate you. And thank you for your friendship. Appreciate y'all.
0: Time for Reaction Theater, and it looks like we have some Joey fans calling in. First caller.
3: Joey Logano wins because TJ can't see through the dirt to spot him. That's correlation, not causation.
1: (laughs) I never heard that word. I never heard the second one. I heard correlation before. Uh,
3: Next one. The wrecks on Sunday were like Freddy's belly. Huge. <laughs> but it was hard to deal
4: with
3: Logano winning. TJ, you suck.
0: <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> Another Joey call from Bob. People
2: don't like TJ.
3: <laughs> Dang. Joey Logano finally won. <laughs> Go Joey. TJ, you still a <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't understand why they're all about TJ. Like, come on, Brett sucks too sometimes. So does Freddie.
1: Yeah, but people like us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Next one.
4: I've never hated anybody in racing more than I hate Joey Logano. But that makes sense because, TJ, you're his spotter. Anybody that listens to you has to be blonde. I mean, just look at Joey's wife. She looks like she could be his twin sister. (laughs) <laughs> Doesn't make any sense at all. I think it is his twin sister.
0: Hey, TJ, were you hated this much when you were Dale's father? No.
2: No. We could recruit the field could, and I say, do no wrong over yeah, there. Yeah, we That's why I don't understand why they, they keep putting Joy in the booth. Like, the fans don't like Joy Logano, and Fox is putting him in the dirt track booth when he's not even a dirt track racer. I'm like, give me a dirt track guy. Uh, people just don't like y'all, TJ. What have you done to people?
4: <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess just win too much or something. Uh-huh.
1: This next one should be good. <laughs> yeah, next one.
3: I just watched a giant wreck happen right in front of Martin Truex Jr. and he did a great job of avoiding it. But the real MVP is Quinn <laughs> Huff for not running into the back of him. Yeehaw,
4: future champion!
1: I was really, really disappointed that we didn't get to run the cup heat races with old Quinn Huff on the pole.
4: I told you that. I'm like, we just got, we just got screwed. <laughs> We were going to see Quinn Huff start on the pole of a race, and it was going to be good next year.
0: Call Uh, number six.
4: Oh. No, that's that's Quinn Huff. Bless his heart. He actually wasn't a
3: factor, good or bad. Really. Boy, I tell you, that Denny Hamlin, he about a free lunch. I know a couple of y'all are up his ass, but I mean.
0: Well, with 22, you
3: know, I should have been more aggressive over when he was, you know, (laughs) Shut your ass. If you're going to put him in the fence, put him in the fence. Quit f***ing about it.
0: Jared, you just offended most <laughs> of this table right now.
1: Shut the hell. Nobody likes you, Jared. You're that blocked. That was me. Blocked that number. I called
4: in. That was me disguising my voice.
0: Mason. <laughs> Brett, I ain't got a problem with you. You're cool. Freddie, get to f***ing Hamlin already. We all know you want to. Just get it over with. TJ, I love you. Can you sign my Joey Diecast, please?
2: TJ, somebody likes you. Yeah, Mason, we found one. Was that I, your I'm like thirteen years
1: old? But I like it. Was he? Was that an adjective or? I mean, think it, it was a verb. A <laughs> verb. I was. <laughs> I was worried that it might have been a verb. It's a verb.
4: <laughs> That's hey. an interesting point of view, Mason.
0: <laughs> Steven has some comments for Freddie.
2: Oh wow. <laughs> Freddie, how are you going to let your driver hit a truck that stopped on top of the track a half a lap away from him? What? A- Uh,
1: That might be my new favorite one.
2: That was a good one.
0: Don't forget to leave an audio message 24-7. You can go to anchor.fm backslash Clear and click the message icon.
4: Garrett, a.k.a. Steven. (laughs) That was was Garrett at the end. That was Garrett. That's Steven. That was (laughs) Steven. Oh,
0: cannot wait to hear the best ones next week on the show.
1: Offer pad question of the week.
0: Offerpad pad question of the week. With the Easter holiday approaching, do you usually host family at your home for different holidays? And where does everyone usually hang out when they're over? TJ,
4: I would have to say the living room. Living room's a decent sized living room. Like I talked before, we got it's turned into one of my favorite rooms in the couch because my wife bought a new couch and it's awesome. So, living room.
0: Is it as big as Freddie's couch? Mm.
4: Probably not as big as Freddie's, but since Freddie always cooks for his
1: family and he's always in the kitchen, his favorite's is probably the kitchen where he hangs out. It's pretty much the same room in my house. My kitchen and my living room are all kind of wide open, but just the, from now on, my family's not allowed over because the last event they came to <laughs> was Christmas and I got COVID, so the, nope, come I'll come see you if I want to hang out with you guys anymore. Uh, but yeah, we hang out, kitchen and living room the whole time, pretty much.
2: Right. Yeah, my kitchen and living room are, are pretty much one big open room. So that's kind of where we kick it. I usually do all the cooking. And, and uh, yeah, man, I usually have all the family over to my house. It's got a nice little backyard. and um, What usually, about you we, got a casting usually, couch now? So they usually not hang <laughs> out in the garage. I don't know. Well, there's Fireball in my garage. <laughs> so. Uh, what do you call that room again? What was it called? RPG room. Yeah, the RPG room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah RPG so. room. Uh, which is, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Uh <laughs> Yeah, the fireball usually gets uh, usually gets attacked, pretty bad. <laughs> and we sneak it like nobody knows we're doing it. Well, we think nobody knows, but we're,
1: <laughs> we're pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they realize. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, the last time we went over there, I think it was the last time I was there. We we might have been out somewhere, and I went. We went back to Brett's for a minute, and I cornered Bodie to talk to him about why this is the RPG room, and he didn't
2: really. He didn't have an answer for me, I don't think. Not one that I believed uh, anyway. So so my sister takes a shot of fireball every day. She does one mini bottle of fireball wow. right around 6, 6.30 every day, right? It's her anti-COVID thing. She thinks it's helping her keep COVID away. We kind of started it during the quarantine, so might as well keep it up. So the other day for the for the cup race, um, I said, hey, let's, let's do a shot before the race starts. So I bring her a fireball. We do the fireball. She's next thing you know, I'm going to cook dinner. So she starts digging through my refrigerator and – She said, I'm going to make this chicken dish. I said, okay, awesome. So now she boils the chicken and and she's doing all this. this. This And so we get like halfway through the cup race, and I'm like, damn, something stinks. So I walk in the kitchen, and (laughs) I'm like, Sheila, this chicken don't smell right. Did you check the date on the chicken? She's like, oh, no, you just bought it last week. And I said, well, the chicken I bought, I made chicken salad. She's like, oh, I'm sure it's fine. I'm like, nah. It ain't fine. (laughs) So here we go digging through the trash can, right? We find the wrapper that the chicken was in. It's been out of date for two weeks, and I've been telling her for a week something smelled like in her refrigerator, and she didn't bother cleaning it out. So here we are about to eat rancid chicken. She about killed us all, the whole family.
0: Maybe that was her goal. I
2: I was going to say, maybe you were were supposed to go first. I said, never again will you get a shot of fireball and then get to cook dinner. (laughs) She's not a cooker anyway. She's a cleaner. I make the mess. She cleans it up. But, yeah. Y'all check your chicken.
0: To get into our Xfinity X5 X-Fi, More Than Fast Moments of the Week, you need more than just speed to compete in NASCAR, and I want to know how you saw teamwork and strategy on the track this week. Brett, you first.
2: Ryan Newman, man, the guy spins out on lap 48 and somehow manages to keep it off the wall and come back, Freddie, for a top five finish.
1: I'm kind of I'm kind of torn on mine because I was really really impressed with. Ricky Stenhouse's last restart. I think he probably restarted about fifth, hooked the bottom really well, and, and drove up, finished second. I just wish he could have hooked the bottom a little bit better, a little bit earlier in the race, and not cut our left rear when we were kind of crowding him a little bit. But, TJ, what do you got? And my more than fast moments going to be Logano and Suarez
4: swerving up the racetrack, showing you how it's done to miss a spinning Cody Ware to both come home with
2: top five finishes. Nice. Here on Door Barber Clear, being more than fast is a way of life, and that's why Ryan Newman, man, does this week's Xfinity X5 More Than Fast moment. You know what else is more than fast? Xfinity X5. All your devices
1: stay connected with coverage that delivers speed that you need. You also get the reliability
2: and security that keeps your crew connected and protected. Being more than fast on the track means you have what it takes to win. When it comes to Xfinity X5,
1: it means you can do more of what you love with faster internet speeds. Follow at Xfinity Racing on Twitter to see more Xfinity X5 more than fast moments. And remember to vote for your favorites.
0: Thank you to Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR.
1: Hey, what's up, DBC fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let us explain.
2: Well, first of all, Freddie the best part is it's free there's nothing better than using a free awesome service to make the process simple and easy there's creation tools that allow
1: you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer anchor
2: helps people find your show
1: by distributing the podcast for you so it can be heard on spotify apple podcasts
2: and many more platforms also you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership i like like money it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We love using Anchor. It's a great platform that lets us hear from the fans and Reaction Theater with Anchor's Leave a Message feature. So when you create your account with Anchor, you can also utilize their feature and make your own podcast. TJ will uh, be your first guest. So download the free
4: Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's <laughs> A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started.
2: What an idiot.
0: Time for
2: What an Idiot. Oh, boy. I wonder who this is going to be. Brett? I have to go with Derek Krause. He wrecked seven seconds after John Hunter Nemechek got wrecked. What an idiot. Go and ahead, there were a Freddy. bunch of idiots to pick from. Can you
1: nominate
4: yourself, I don't
2: Freddy? know if it's
1: Derek's <laughs> fault, my fault. Maybe it's Matt Crafton's fault. Maybe if he didn't spin that guy out, none of that s*** would have happened. You can't blame Hey, Matt him. No. Crafton, you're an idiot. No, no. <laughs> you can't say that. Why not? It's if a he didn't dump that guy, that guy would not have been sitting there. I would have run into him 20 minutes later. It's Matt Crafton's fault. What an idiot.
4: <laughs> if your guy slows down earlier, he doesn't hit him. Matt Crafton, what an idiot. Can we have <laughs>
1: Matt on the show? Turn the Dear argument Lord. right
4: around. I know, man.
1: TJ. Got a Freddie.
4: <laughs> I'm going Freddie. You don't know what the next opportunity is going to be. <laughs> Freddie, what an idiot, man. How does somebody wreck and you come in there seven seconds later even at Bristol?
1: My lazy boy flipped over. I couldn't <laughs> see it
4: Maybe, maybe if you put that sandwich down on your spot and you, you see that car sitting there or something. Oh, boy. Jeez.
0: Oh, that was a good one. All right, DBC picks. After Bristol, TJ, you won with Austin Dillon and Freddie still
2: leads. Fortitude, right?
0: What, what is going on here?
2: Um, I had the best driver in the field, according to America, uh, Kyle Larson, and Christopher Bell took him out. There's another idiot. <laughs> Do I go first?
0: No, yeah, I think
2: so. I go Brett, first because I first. finished freaking last. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to stay loaded up here and go with a guy that Marty Smith said is maybe one of the best drivers ever. Uh, I was looking at so I'll go through the points because I was like, I got to figure out who I'm gonna pick. I gotta go. All I right, all right, surely somebody down south. Like surely there's somebody out of the top.
4: Make your damn ten pick in points that I
2: can pick. But man, I got <laughs> down there and all the all my like Ross Chastain, Chase Briscoe, we Eric don't Amarola. Don't need to hear your story. They're they're not there. Like they're not in the top. So I'm going with Denny Hamlin. I'm loading up. I'm gonna take. I think I won with this guy here last year. I'm gonna take Bubba Wallace. You did win with him last
4: year. You finished like seventh. I am gonna roll with Brad Keselowski.
2: Ah, damn, y'all loaded up too. Well, <laughs> maybe I'll win. Yeah. I need a win. I keep picking good guys and I keep sucking. You need to learn how to it. I feel like TJ. I mean, I'm jinxing them. Brad, yeah,
1: I, there's no doubt that I'm just jinxed. Brad, I, I can't believe we sat down here and I've been doing this short track t-shirt deal for a couple weeks and I got old Travis Braden on today, but to my left is a new modified spotter
2: next week I, I, in Martinsville. I, I've never spotted a modified race, and there's only two tracks where I really had a high interest to do it. And it wow. was New Hampshire and it's Martinsville. So uh to, to do my first one, if I was going to do my first one, I would have wanted to be one of those two tracks. So Doug Kobe hit me up, sent me a message, said, hey, I need a spotter. You want to do it? And I was like, dude, hell yeah, I'll spot for a six-time champion. Doug, he's rocking
1: the Doug Kobe shirt. It was funny because, well, you know, I didn't think you had any interest in doing that. I don't think we've ever talked about it. So yep. Doug – was looking for a spotter a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Ah, you know, there's a couple guys, but I it never even crossed my mind that you would want to do it." So, yeah, that's awesome. We'll be going to time. Up. Uh, he, he
2: doesn't know how much I charge yet, though. <laughs> Did you even time, know? Uh, Are you doing practice <laughs>
1: this time? Last year, Doug
4: Kobe was getting hammered from the I racing stuff, wasn't he? Because oh, he was yeah. like, he, he made some comments about it. About it. But Day I will say this: the yeah. model, like Martinsville Modify, would be up there on the list that I'd want to be a part of, as far as a win. You know, winning the five hundred and. In a championship that I've won Loudon with, with Todd Zegity
1: and it's up there. Like yeah. that's actually pretty it's up there on, on the list. I won I won two thousand five or six with Jimmy Blewett and then the last time they ran, I don't remember what year it was, me and Ronnie Silk were working together <laughs> And we were leading with like ten to go, had the race in the bag, and some kind of fuel pickup problem or something. Oh, around the gas! Heartbreaker. So I'm going back with Ronnie Silk. So
2: hopefully we can we can maybe redeem that one. That'd be this awesome. Week. Now, a Hirschman's brother be in this one. No, I no. no, might won't be in this.
0: Right, you might be a little. That's bit That's good because he's
2: been winning. So <laughs> he's been winning some of races. I don't want him in it. That's why I was asking. Yeah, he's he's won quite I'm a bit. I'm looking forward to that. It's been, been a long hot. time. Yeah, yeah.
0: You might be a little bit rusty. You've been on the couch for a while.
2: Oh, I'm not rusty. <laughs> <laughs> Knock the rust right off. Once I say green, it's on, girl.
0: All right, well, hope you all have a great Easter and some time off for y'all going on vacation.
1: Yeah, I'm leaving in three hours to go to yeah. Miami.
2: I'm going to meet uh, John Levesque at Big Owl to get my radios programmed I, a spot for Doug Kobe. I That's what, do what that. I'm doing I, this week. I, I got, is is he, he bringing too, the actually. RE truck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's bringing the big RE
4: truck. Is he bringing the RE truck there? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to go to the – I think we're going to Charleston. So. Oh, good. Jealous. Good I, to think go Bubba, down there? I
1: think Bubba's going down
4: there. Is he? Yeah, he'll probably have his camera out up the sunset. You going on to sunrise. Charleston or one of the beaches? Isle of Palms area. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, that's perfect. So,
0: and I will be home watching Chloe because Chad is going midget racing with Ricky. So, what is mean, that
4: race? Do You want to go to the beach
0: Friday, with us? D- I'm mean. done. I will
4: do <laughs> anything. I was going
2: to say, don't do that. Anything <laughs> to get
0: out of here and to leave my house. So done.
2: Thank y'all for listening. Yeah, have See a good y'all. Easter Day after Martinsville. We're off next week. No yeah. DBC. Don't tweet Jason when's the show dropping. Yeah, don't no even show. worry about calling can, in and leaving you can any. Uh, tweet
0: about how much you miss us though.
2: Yes, don't worry about leaving any good message for me this week. We out. Holla.
4: Have a great
0: week. Yeah.